This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Tuesday Takeover with Marcus Speller on FUBAR Radio. On the day I was born, the nurses all gathered round and they gazed in wide wonder at the joy they had found. The head nurse spoke up and she said, leave this one alone. She could tell right away that I was bad to the bone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the FUBAR Takeover Tuesday with me, Marcus Speller. From the Football Ramble, Answerable Questions with Questionable Answers podcast as well. My co-host for the day oh. is Lawrence McKenna. You gave me status. Lawrence McKenna, how are you, my good man? I'm good, yes. Um, I can give you a weather report later on. Absolutely. Uh, is that what you do on radio nowadays? The weather remember. at the moment is proving Greta Thunberg yeah. correct, isn't it? it, it the climate yeah. change is happening right between, right in front of our very eyes. Yeah, the climate is literally changing. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> there are theories all over the place. Now, Lawrence, you... I am. Are on you're on the True Geordie podcast. Yeah, I'm fifty percent of that. You yeah. are. You, you're a, you're a you're not a YouTube sensation though, are you? No, I guess uh-huh. I just sort of exist online. Uh-huh. But uh, you have you have nearly one hundred thousand followers on Twitter, which is not a lot nowadays. I remember where that used to be quite a lot of followers. Yes. and people be like, "Wow, look at that guy's like that." He's probably famous in a way. Well, you are though, because because to classify. A celebrity nowadays, people say you have to have 30,000 and over yeah. on Twitter. Now, I have 29,000.4, so if you're wondering why it's not Lawrence's uh, takeover, it's, it's my takeover. Fubar is all about quality, not quantity. Very good. <laughs> I don't have a reply for that either. Um, I guess uh, for me, what I say is I'm still quality over quantity. It's mm-hmm. just that my quantity is greater than yours. <laughs> Touche, my uh, good man. The thing is, we both do audio podcasts anyway. We so do. this is basically just a long podcast broken up by music that you like. Well, I think we all like. But we've got some well, great music for you I've today. I've seen the playlist. <laughs> well, let's let the good listeners decide. We've got some great music for you, everybody. We've got some great guests as well. We've got people from the world of education, from the world of the magic circle. Not from the world of education. From, from the world of education. From the magic circle. I'm actually, you know what? I really wanted to be in the magic circle. I had Paul Daniels' magic set when I was a kid. Those Did you? Kind of, yeah. Um, and I also had a wife called Debbie, but less about that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we've got we've got a magician. We've got uh, a man from the world of music. Wow. I also had music when I was a child. Answer me this question very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Do you like music? I love notes. Yeah. Well, there you go. So mm-hmm. so that's uh, something to be uh, interested in as well. Um, we have... And uh, film. I, uh, sorry. Yeah, I we do. Ahead, yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah. We've got uh, film. Mm. Someone from the world of comedy. Yeah. I mean, really, we're not, we, we've covered all the bases, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, apart from... Because you do politics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gardening and politics. Apart from that, it's basically... Really Radio 4 show. <laughs> Marvellous. Well, of course, our journalist does uh, do a bit of BBC culture stuff as well. Right. So perhaps um, but th- that can be all uh, covered there. So, yes, yeah, so it was a very good guest, uh, very good music, if I may say so myself. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Lawrence, I mean, what I'd like to know is... What have you, you? So you you do a podcast, as we say, yeah, uh, and you do a, it's a huge show. The True Jewelry it's ma- podcast. It's, like, it's the biggest podcast in Britain. It's bigger than the podcast I do. Mass, yeah, but I do exponentially. It, it really is. Yeah, I, I, I do. But again, quality, not quantity. But I do a podcast called the Football Round. And don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to be talking about football today. No, that's what I do at work. Yeah. Okay, this is leisure time for yeah. me. Um, but. I'd like to talk about one of your guests that you interviewed last week Recently. on your show. Okay. Now, younger listeners may not know this man. Yeah. Older listeners will. Mm-hmm. David Icke. 
a name that you'd say the generation of people who birthed this generation of young people fear. <laughs> yeah. um, now, my co-host, True Geordie, who's obviously the guy who sort of made my um, made myself famous uh, on a mass scale, loves David Icke. Right. And we have recorded a reaction podcast to the podcast that we did. Right, it's, so it's that big. We gave our thoughts about it because for key guests, I think you can't avoid sort of reacting to it mm. and the audience reaction. So... There are thoughts in there, but I've had other thoughts since that. You have. Um, as I exist in chronological time. So, so try and explain to people who don't know who David Icke David is. David Icke is basically, and he said this at the very top of the show, yep. and, I, and I will urge you to go watch it, mm-hmm. um, a conspiracy researcher. Right. He doesn't call himself a theorist because he says the CIA attached the word theorist to it ah. to make it sound less plausible that this Bloody person was saying CIA. something was true. Yeah, they are doing Why so are much... they're so pedantic? And I don't want to libel anyone here. Can I swear? Yeah, they're you, doing you, so much illegal shit, right? You would think that those guys would know what's illegal and what's not illegal. Yeah, well, but, I think they do. Yeah, but overall... They're, they're a bit like... You know how musicians say you've got to know when you can break the rules yeah. of like, like when you're talking about music and when to do like a bum note and when to you know that's you what CIA are with like with the law no when to fold them <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically he came on and, and sort of ran down um, the greatest hits of, of conspiracy theories okay um, now I don't we're talking if, 9-11 that, here's the thing right uh-huh. is I um, when I first started I didn't want to offend anyone because obviously these are massive yes. public disasters of course and I thought, David, let's, you know, come on, let's be respectful here. But then I also thought, well, if there is the truth out there, Absolutely. is it respectful to uncover the truth? Yeah. But what is truth? Mm. Um, and that, that's how existential it gets. Yes. Uh, to the point where he sort of talks about everyone being energy and those kind of things. Uh-huh. And he's obviously got conspiracy theories. I don't want to libel anyone. He's got some conspiracy theories about people who are alive and dead. He's got some about you and I as well. I mean, he definitely had theories about me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> th- one of them was... One of his theories is that uh, that I'm a podcast presenter, and I'm proving him right every week. Exactly, yeah. And that the main the main other theory in there, yes. obviously, uh, is that if you don't know about these conspiracy theories, right. then you you're sort of part of the system yeah. in a way. You're, you're part of the problem, uh-huh. and I had a bit of a problem with that because I felt maybe a bit of peer pressure. Uh-huh. Now, the way I describe talking to David Icke mm-hmm. is, you know, we've got a magician coming up later on the show. We do, yes. You know, when you see magic, yep. in the moment you go. Bloody hell. That blows your mind. Yeah, you go, how did he just, how did he know my card? And for a moment, you think magic is real. Yeah. Yeah, in that moment, you are blissfully unaware Mm. that the real world also exists. Yeah, and Ike has just gone too far with this guy. Uh, Yeah. And, and, well, I've got to be respectful of him. He's he's spent his life trying to uncover some people as criminals, and he has done some good work. Like, he was was a massive whistleblower on uh, Jimmy Savile Uh and people like that before these people came out and were... Um, you know, criminals. Six minutes into my takeover, Savile's got a mention. My bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, (laughs) no, it's true though, isn't it? It So he he was a massive whistleblower on that and he was very much um, trying to alert people to that. So I think he's done very good work there. You then get into government side of things and it it becomes much more difficult to prove. And I think that's part of the problem is is proving it. What I'm saying about magicians is you then go away and you go, hold on a minute, they put the card in the deck there and then they sort of made this jump and that... And you start to put it together. So for for me, I would, and in a completely respectful way, I treated David Icke as a as an equal. I always treat people as equals. You do, um, but I treated him as a thought exercise uh-huh. that basically almost helps me flush out some of the bad thoughts in my mind. Right, and almost there's a lot in there as well. Reca- yeah, so much devious uh-huh. shit I've got going on. Right, and so there's so much stuff that I need to recalibrate in there. So since it sort of made me think, hmm, what, what do I really think about nine eleven? What do I really think about you know, Diana. 
Um, okay, so it's a heavy start to the show. Uh, yeah, it, let's just say it can only but, go but, up emotionally from here. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's what we're, we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. We get the sort of the the vegetables out the way early on, and then sure. the uh, and the medium rest uh, Argentinian steak we'll get to. Um, but to be fair, I asked you about it. Yes, yeah, I fault. asked you. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all my fault. But ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, you're very welcome. It's the uh, Tuesday Takeover on Fubar Radio. My name's Marcus Speller. My co-host today is Lawrence uh, McKenna. So me. yeah. So as I said, I do the Football Ramble podcast, mm-hmm. which is on Football Ramble Daily. Yeah. Uh, currently, we're doing live shows around England. I went to the live show last week. Appreciate that. We did it. We did a live show at I Hackney didn't pay Empire. For the ticket. You didn't pay for the ticket. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have come. Yeah. We, went, we we sold out Hackney Empire, and it was amazing. The atmosphere in there, I'll say, was incredible. Mm. It it was really great for a, a podcast show. A lot of podcast shows are a bit stuffy sometimes. Are they? Like podcast show. Oh, okay. You guys bought an atmosphere. Well, it's very kind of you to say. So, so, so that's what we're doing. We did Alexandra Palace yeah. uh, on Saturday night. Not the main hall. That's about ten thousand people. That would be Clearly ridiculous. Not. If that would we, be crazy. We're not Sam Fender. Yeah. For crying out loud! But we, like, how dare you? Yeah. Maybe one of his songs is coming up in a, in a short while. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we're going around the, the country as well. Liverpool on on Thursday night. I was in so. Liverpool just the other day. But we sort of play it for laughs. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of football chat can be very stuffy. Some of it can be a bit oi oi savaloy. Yeah. We try to hit it in the middle. I think. Think. And there's a bit of a... Um... David Icke really nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Ike again. Yeah. That's not going to be a theme of this show. No, it won't. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, David Icke said magic's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't. Um, so I'm, I'm thoroughly uh, looking forward to, to doing the rest of the live shows. The other podcast I do is a podcast called Answerable Questions with Questionable Answers. I listen to this podcast. And do I you? love it. And, and That's I've very got, kind I've of got you. some uh, creative suggestions I can make off air. Mm-hmm. But there's so many times where I want to get involved in the conversation. Yeah. And I'm listening and I'm like, oh, I, I, uh-huh. I'd say this. Just answer my phone calls, Marcus. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so I hope you've kind of brought along some questions that I can answer. Well, do you know what? It's funny that because because I have, um, and I'm going to start wow. with this one. This was a question, <laughs> uh, a question that uh, I asked on 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 the show uh, a few weeks ago. It's there yeah. to to be downloaded. Yeah. Um, we were exploring the so so with the, the the format of the podcast is we ask a question mm-hmm. every podcast whether it's uh, um, what makes a good wedding for you yeah. is the news all doom and gloom at the no. moment uh, can you fall in love at first sight you don't do believe in love at first you sight can. these are questions that everyone can have a go at but there's no definitive answer yeah so I'd like to ask you. Um, <laughs> Is a lottery win, and I'm talking a big national lottery win, say 15, 20 million, is it a blessing or a curse? Now, I listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, you got about a minute and a half with your answer. I disagreed with all of you on the podcast. I thought... Hang on, hang on. We, we, some said yes, some said no. There's only yeah, two. but I, I disagree with all the takes on the <laughs> podcast. Now, I personally think of a, a lottery win yeah. as a huge piece of good fortune. <laughs> and Oh, very good. And... Um, I don't. I I really struggled with why it would not be good fortune. Ah, and I think it's totally about the mentality of the person who's won the money. Absolutely. So if the person is a positive person, if the person is humble, all these kind of things, uh-huh. the money won't change. Yes, Lawrence, but you're forgetting that little uh, that little kind of uh, theory that money changes people. Yeah, but not everyone. But he was such a lovely guy until he became prime minister. You know that kind of power and yeah, money changed people. This way, right? <laughs> I'm not talking about the current guy. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or yeah, he's always had money. <laughs> So I guess what I'm saying with winning the lottery is, I, uh, and just to summarise what you, you said on the podcast, you thought it was a curse. Well, I, 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 I said that I would rather win, say, like quarter of a million pounds right. on the pools. Do people still do the pools? No. I don't know. Stop uh, talking about David Icke and the pools. <laughs> uh, I'd rather win quarter of a million pounds than, say, 15 million pounds, because right. quarter of a million pounds, you can, you can get a mortgage or 
pay off a lot of the mortgage, that kind yeah. of thing. Oh, very I just, sorry, I just want to pay off a majority of my mortgage. Not all of it. <laughs> I still want to have to work a little bit harder. A little bit harder. Yeah. Um, but it's not life-changing. Right. It's very much life-helping. Right. And if you had 15 million and you suddenly thought, you know what, I'm going to give a oh, mate of mine struggling, I'm going to give him 25 grand. Yeah. Oh, should I have given him 30? And is okay. he going to tell? Well, people, I've got fifteen million. People, I'll give him thirty. People will know though that you've got that amount of money. No. If though. I knew you had ten million pounds, Lawrence, do you think I'd be wearing this old T-shirt? I'd be like, oh, come on, sort me out with something. No, but I'd also say to you, uh, Marcus, as someone who has the money, yes, you don't get to tell me what to do with it. Yeah, I've got the power now, buddy. Yes, you'll you wear see? what I tell you, and hence <laughs> it it, uh, it shirks power from one party to another. Well, perhaps we'll have time in due course uh, over explore. the show to, to explore that mm. a bit more and, and some other things. But we're going to have our first uh, song of the of the afternoon, and after which we'll uh, get a guest in. Um, Lawrence, do you like Martha and the Vandellas? I guess I'm going to have to. Yeah. Tuesday Takeover with Marcus Speller on Fubar Radio. Loves his jingles, doesn't he? Marcus Speller, that's me! Oh, That's me. Welcome back, everybody, to Fubar Radio. Oh, yes. Uh, a lovely bit of Motown to start the show, Lawrence. Love Motown. I went to go and see, it's called Hitsville, uh, the making of Motown. Oh, yeah. Just the other day. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the premiere. 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 Premier? We say premiere, premiere. In, in England. In England, yeah. all right. Uh-huh. And um, it was a really great nostalgic film. It was lovely. It had Smokey Robinson. How do you get nostalgia from that? You don't remember the era. No, but you can tell that the people in the room are nostalgic, and, uh, and you sort of look at them and that. Oh, that's lovely. Is, this, is nostalgia relative or is it absolute? Um, we don't have time. Yeah, exactly. To answer now, yeah. um, we to, to 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 quote Tony Blair. Right now, we're all about education, wow. education, education. Yeah. We have what a tone a, to set. A dear and great friend of mine in the studio right now for you, Scott Hayden. Scott, you, you I, I would describe you as lecturer, teacher, trainer, digital learning ambassador, blended learning manager. Dreamweaver. I'll add that on at the end. Yeah. Um, you're, you're in charge of um, the award-winning digital team at Basingstoke College in Hampshire. It is a bloody pleasure to have you on the show, my good man. Thank you, sir. Lovely uh, to be here. Well dressed be as well. Oh, that's nice of you to say, mate. Yeah. Thank you, you very much. You, you're putting Lawrence and I to shame um, with, with regards to what you're wearing. But, but, Scott, it's great to have you here. Now, like me, you went through the British education system. And then you're in it now, aren't you? You're, you're, you're seeing it from a teacher's perspective. You never left it. Never left yeah. it, yeah. Well, you did for a, a short while. But, but you, what, what strikes me is whenever I see stuff, because Scott and I are friends. We've been yeah. friends since uh, university. Whenever I see you on social media uh, and, and we catch up, I'm always amazed how innovative you are with your teaching approach. So, so mm. what do, you, what, what, do you teach a particular subject or is it a broad range of subjects? So I've been a teacher of media for 12 years now. Yeah. And but my role sort of evolved. I'm, I'm now a teacher trainer as well. So one fifth of my job is with the lovely Creative Studios B Cop students who are listening right now. And the rest of my job is to help all the other AC courses mm-hmm. to use digital teaching and learning in an innovative way. So like this morning I was working with makeup students, doing photography, social media, getting blogs and websites to promote what they're doing. Mm. Um, I was doing um, 3D modelling with the engineers last Friday, for example. With the construction guys, we're using virtual and augmented reality to visualise sites before they actually get onto physical sites. To actually, so trying to use digital in a meaningful, relevant way that prepares them for the future. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to do. It's going right so far, man. Yeah. It's going right. The um, technologists I work with, they were student digital leaders. So volunteers who, like me, like using technology, 
and they worked with me one day a week to go into staff rooms and classrooms and to run the inset days mm. and we trained up all the staff so rather than paying a grand for some inspirational speaker to come in on in inset day yeah. and to wow the place and then no, nothing actually changes afterwards I took over a couple of inset days and got the students to actually train up all the staff um, to help them to use YouTube and Twitter. So and the Facebook. students are training the staff? Yeah. See, fine. I find that interesting because if in, in certain businesses, because of the way the world is, because I don't know, Lawrence, you might be too young, but you and I, Scott, certainly remember the world in analogue <laughs> before it became digital. I remember digital. the world in analogue. All right. I'm How trying to say you're young. No, that's fine. I mean, I look young. Very I'm, effective moisturiser, I have yeah. to say. But, um, but I get what you mean, though. Absolutely. Well, so we remember the world in analogue before, you know, you remember before the internet came along, blah, blah, blah. It makes you sound old, but you know, that, that, that's the way it was. Now, in business now... A lot of people, younger people, hold some of the cards, don't they? When they're coming in, they, the, the, as you say, the, to use... I mean, social media is an obvious example, but d different bits and pieces. So it's fascinating that that is also, transcend that is also the case in, in education, that your students are telling the teacher... I mean, it's a role reversal. It's, the students are literally teaching the teachers. That's right. So I call them digital leaders. I saw this thing in Finland. Finland, South Korea... Um, they're quite progressive there, aren't they? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing from those guys. Yeah. Right? Quite unapologetically. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, I'm seeing what they're up to. And I'm nicking ideas from Twitter. <laughs> and um, I'm mixing it into my own alchemy, I suppose. And yeah. So those guys get uh, on their CV a nice uh, reference from me. Mm. They can say they've trained up teachers as well. And what's happened is that they've gone on to be apprentices and to be employed by the college to work with me. Like Sky, Charlie and Holly mm. now work with me. And they were student volunteers. Now they're learning technologists. Wow. And they work with teachers to mm -hmm. sort of renovate and to remix and to completely reimagine the way we think about education. Because it's just not good enough at the moment, Marcus. Really some of the things that happen, it's just I really enjoyed traditional school. Did you? Yeah. I know a lot of people are always really disenfranchised by it. But I... But I think someone like you, Lawrence, you, you're very good with technology. That, again, love that it. makes me sound yeah. old. I appreciate it. Yeah. But you, you would love a bit of this. I mean, I'm not against it. I'm not saying it. You know, <laughs> oh, the job you're doing is terrible. Don't revolutionise the education system. Coming for a nice day out, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? I, but what I did like, what I like, is like the mix of technology and then real life stuff so it's got to be relevant it's got to be applicable to their actual careers if it's just a dusty old powerpoint and someone the sage on the stage yeah. talking at them yeah it's not fit for purpose but doing things making things problem solving critical thinking being creative uh -huh. um that's when it starts to sing and starts to become more relevant and undeniable and the students who are somewhat disenfranchised some people who don't learn traditionally some people who don't get the mm. a's to c's uh, gcse and so on people learn uh, vocational skills want to develop yeah. vocational skills they're the guys that we're trying to train really make undeniable when they go to that job interview or mm. apprenticeship or university placement yeah. yeah so I mean you've won a lifetime achievement award which is incredible considering you're still in your 30s so well done to that but that for innovative in use 30s, of social you look great yeah no, you see um, it's my 37th birthday today it's his wow. birthday today what today yeah is, how yeah. about that I can't believe you don't make more think of that we're sitting talking about being a teacher let's talk about his bloody life that was the that was the big What's finale biggest achievement uh, well, like, probably a lifetime achievement award Lawrence well no I mean, okay yeah, you get your head down you can achieve one okay <laughs> now uh, it was for innovative use of social media and application of educational technology and this was at the um, the FE Awards Tess FE Awards so the, the, yeah the, the Times Educational um, Award was for outstanding use of technology to improve teaching learning and assessment and that was my team we won mm. that in 2018 which is lovely um, the Lifetime Achievement Awards from my uh, my employers my um, the college I work for based Sorry, on yes. College of Technology uh, which was lovely you know because it was vindication I suppose so I was using things like Twitter in the classroom to 
at my students debating and discussing with people at American colleges mm -hmm. using Periscope and YouTube Live right. to actually engage with employers and to get bring alive their learning. Because if you ask a question in the classroom, the same two or three people put their hands up and answer. Um, but people like me, people are, I hate putting my hand up in mm. class, but I wanted to engage. Yeah. And so connecting them with them in a way that makes them feel less alone, like they can connect in a way they're more used to, it brought things alive a bit more. And people were going on camera, live streaming to people in Albuquerque and Birmingham, hey. Alabama. <laughs> uh, but if you didn't, didn't want to be on camera, you could just tweet along on a shared hashtag. Yeah. And like a message in a bottle, they'd get the video the next day because of the time difference, as you see. So using things like this, it was risky, but I've got a great boss, oh, Anthony Bravo. He just sort of backs me in. Anthony Bravo. I know, I have some of that. He's got to be a great boss if he's going to be called that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he Big time street, Bravo, I call him. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so, I mean, this is a great way because, as you say, unless if, if you're an extroverted child, and, and or, or student, uh, should I say, and and a pin just dropped. People are. Uh, well, did it really? Yeah. Oh, did it sound like that? <laughs> okay, I'm fat fingers there. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Um, so you're trying to level the playing field in a sense with this, because as you say, some some students are or pupils might be a little bit shy or whatever. Whereas this, they can engage and get involved, build the confidence, and then and then you're away. Absolutely, it makes people feel less alone. My experience at school, college, university was just being a bit alone <laughs> a bit isolated <laughs> and a little bit disconnected mm. I love learning I love discovering things yeah. and playing with different technology and things like this mm. but at school and college I didn't feel like I could uh, connect belong be part of a community a mm. tribe to actually develop these skills until I met you know, people like you later on mm. But um, it, I, I'm trying to make it so everybody's got access to learning, I suppose. There's this girl, for example, last week, a Latvian girl. She couldn't connect with the work she was doing, but I got Google Translate out. Yep. I switched it to Latvian, started talking to her. And it was live translating to Latvian for mm. her. And I was talking to her, seeing what she needs, and could translate the Google Doc, which I see you guys are using, translating yeah. that into Latvian so she could see and get access to the learning. Mm -hmm. And that she, she now chats with me on the Google Hangouts uh, message if she's struggling with something or needs something. And for someone like the English, for her, is like a third, fourth language. Mm. Brilliant young woman, I was 17 years old. Yeah. But now it's opened up that door, and now learning it's not going to be a, so much of a challenge for her, but bridges that gap and brings her in. And what was nice that her class, who hadn't spoken to her for the first three weeks, started to chat with her wow. using Google Translate to Amazing. connect with her. That's lovely, right? I mean, yeah. So bringing people together like that is m the most important thing. And also just preparing them for the expectations of their careers and industry they're going to go into. Well, they're going to be using the cloud, they're going to be using things like virtual and augmented reality in some fields in particular. So our health and social care students in particular, they're starting to do um, vlogging, mm. being on camera, right? because their interpersonal skills are pretty important. Yeah. So seeing the way they come across by filming themselves yeah. and recording presentations that way, yeah. rather than just standing up and doing a presentation for five minutes, but practicing, watching the way they come across on camera, yeah. and then reflecting on that as a little podcast they record on their phone, and then submitting that as evidence of their communication skills development, that's great. But it's funny because uh, it's, it's, it's older generation might think, oh, for crying out loud. What's the, you know, what's the, is everyone get their 15 minutes of fame, is that, that kind of idea. Why do they have to be on camera? Why do they have to do this, that and the other? But, of course, the world is changing and has changed. So this stuff is, is all very important. So, so what gave you the idea? or what? Because, like I say, you remember the, a very different educational system when you were coming through the system. What made you sort of look at this and think, hang on a minute, we've got to almost like have a little a little mini revolution, if you like, in Basingstoke College and your ideas are being picked up around the world because you speak all over the place, don't you? So I suppose it's... it's wanting to make people feel, um, I suppose, 
or rather fall back in love with learning, I suppose. It sounds a bit silly, but that is genuinely it. Yeah. In the sense that... But for years, though, the classroom has always been trying to get pupils to engage. And some of the ways, you know, Lawrence was saying, you like traditional teaching, but for a lot of people, they don't. And they just feel like you've just got to get dragged through this system and try and get as many kind of qualifications to almost stick to you as possible before you get spat out the other end. I suppose it's... Think about the amount of Word documents you're creating at college or university. Mm. I mean, how many times in your job do you have to write a Word document to mm. show your competence in order to get the paycheck? It's, they're not doing that. They're talking, they're problem solving, they're showing critical thinking. They're actually, I've seen it with your teams today, mm. problem solving, you know, critical your team. thinking. Well, I tell you, with me, there's a lot of problems to solve, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. But communicating and being creative, yeah. and <laughs> collaborating, yeah. and that that's what you'll be doing. In most professions, you'll be, you know, thinking quickly and yeah. um, showing those empathy, emotional intelligence skills and mm. so on. And these are th- the skills we want to see them develop and technology is an enabler for that. It's not a be all and end all. It's simply a tool. Yeah, I mean, if, Lawrence, if you were taught about super injunctions at school, it would have helped you out greatly in later yeah, life. Yeah, although, to be honest, what I, what I sort of came away with was... Um, I, obviously, I was just suited to uh, traditional learning and uh, just enjoyed it anyway. But the I'm reading a book at the moment called... Um, I actually can't remember what the book's called. But it's, it's basically about... Um, many different ways of learning things and how in the modern world basically mm. uh, everyone thinks that there's basically one route to success which is the tiger woods route which is from a very young age or specialized yeah um and so it's written by david epstein no relation to jeffrey but uh-huh. david epstein <laughs> cool. um and basically his idea is that he compares two athletes nowadays one mm-hmm. is tiger woods yep. who from a young age his father was like right you're good at golf specialize in golf all you're going to do is golf. And this kid was amazing at golf, mm. right? But Roger Federer was the other way around, where it was like he was trying netball and basketball and all these different things out in where he was. And it was only when he got to about 18 that he started to specialise. Yeah. But he'd learned so many different skills through doing many different sports. Mm-hmm. And he said he didn't think he'd be the same athlete if it wasn't for mm. uh, him basically going out there and trying all these different sports and having that variation. His, he, it, people are now saying his body might have formed differently because he was working out different muscles mm. in different ways. So... It was interesting. It's interesting to read. I'll find the I'll find the title of it now. But it was fascinating because it made me realise there are many different ways that people uh, take their path. But we often just think, well, it's only going to be the A star student in the class which ever achieves anything in their life. And to me, that was always the way it was portrayed. I was an A star student, so it was always like, you're going to be the prime minister. You're going to be great. Mm. And I have friends who were getting B's and stuff, mm. and they were made to feel mm. like, well, you don't necessarily suit this way of learning, so you're not going to succeed in life. Almost. That's really interesting. The idea it's that like growth mindset versus fixed mindset. A bit of a trend in education the last few years. Yeah. There's something in there. The idea of people that are agile, adaptive, resilient, and able to sort of of, um, grow and develop and be open to evolving their careers those are people that will survive and in education in particular we're trying to make people as employable as possible by learning different skills so exactly. if we've got people on our makeup course not only you know, developing that particular skill but also how to promote themselves professionally using social media professionally using Instagram that actually makes them look very attractive when it comes to that um, job interview so they can people can see that that person I can trust to actually be in charge of this this and this at my company I can give them more opportunities well that's what's really fascinating so the book was called Range by the way by mm. David it's a really great book and it's really uh, sort of it opens your mind up to all the different possibilities one thing he was talking about which was really relevant to what you were talking about is it, he went into quite a few labs scientific laboratories where people specialised in uh, very specific things so there were there were teams of people who were working on curing flu or curing the common cold those kind of things but then he also went into labs where there were a lot of young students who were a, very, a, a big range of different uh, skills, I guess, and were studying lots of different stuff. He set them the same task. And one interesting thing he said, in the room where the specialists were, it took them so much longer 
to come to a, a, a solution because they weren't they were thinking in one very fixed mm. set way whereas the the room of many different minds many different solutions many different things they were all coming out with oh well you could do this you could do this you could do this so even if they didn't specialize in that area they were still coming up with a solution faster mm. so i think your way of t- uh, teaching sounds really interesting especially with the social media which yeah. by the way now we were talking about our numbers earlier on social media well, well, yeah i don't think that just shows oh well this guy is relevant i think it also shows a skill i know loads of people who grow social accounts mm-hmm. They're excellent with their words, Absolutely. but I'm no good at tweeting. Like, yeah. I'm, I don't even know if I'm good at talking. Yeah, well, Scott, well, it's been great having you on. Finish with this because this year you won a national teaching award in the category of digital innovation of the year. You were one of only 68 people across the country to win it, and you've been shortlisted among just 13 candidates for the gold award at what is dubbed the UK's Oscars for Teachers, which will be broadcast on BBC Two on the 27th of October. You're up for a teaching Oscar. That must be quite something. It vindicates what you're doing. Yeah, it's nice, mate. It is. Nice. <laughs> I'm not going to play it, play it down. Not interested I, in awards. No, no, we we are. It. I say I want it. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I really. Hey, it'd be lovely feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> talk me, talk me through your celebration. No, I'm joking. Um, but that's amazing, though, isn't no, it? No, it's a lovely. It just it is lovely to be in that that category and to be with those people who I admire it's wonderful it's all I do is sort of put things together just sort of mm. bring things together that's all I do really yeah. and the idea that it's getting a little nod from people at the Pearson's National Teaching Awards is lovely so yeah I'm just thankful for my bosses for giving me the, allowing me rather to take the risks Well, and we thank you for allowing us to talk to you on your birthday what a risk absolutely right I can't believe you're here for your birthday by the way Yeah. <laughs> if Marcus uh, has uh, said to me on your birthday <laughs> can, can you come in and record I literally have just gone he's, no. all, he's all give this man yeah he's all about other people you Lawrence McKenna you should take note of that yeah that's what I'm all about take all right um, um, Scott a little shout out to the to, to your class perhaps to, to Basingstoke yes the, the majestic creative studios Beacot students uh, I love working with them the most creative people I've ever worked with and yeah wonderful creative innovative projects are going to be publicising on Twitter in the next few months so yes um, follow us on at Creative Studios Beacon and see what we're up to lovely Scott it's been an absolute pleasure Lawrence what's do you next like, song mate do you like Sam Fender smooth Tuesday Takeover with Marcus Speller on Fubar Radio Fubar Radio presents Ian Bolesworth Danny Vegas is in the studio. This morning, I lost 20 minutes thinking, what would I do if an ostrich came in the game? <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's 20 minutes I'm never well, getting which, back. What would you do? My first thing it was, I'd try and bring it down. With? My shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> my, my upper body strength and some laces. Right, OK. Then I thought maybe I'd tie two trainers together and do a... <laughs> You know, go for the ankle. That would hurt it, that would hurt it, yeah. Bring it down like an ass hat. Yeah, yeah. If I did manage to capture it, whose neighbour's garden would have had it for you? (laughs) Why must I get stuck with this bloody ostrich? Every Monday... Ian Bolsworth. From 4pm. Fubar Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to Fubar Radio. It's Tuesday Takeover. My name is Marcus Speller. My co-host, Lawrence McKenna, is here as well. Lawrence! Feels generous to call me a co-host, but fair. You are very much the co-host. How about that? Scott Hayden talking about education. It was really interesting. Gives you a bit of hope for the future, doesn't it? Never have we shifted gears faster, though. (laughs) um, From one guest to another. Mm. You may know this guy from the Sorcerer's Apprentice on BBC or Max Magic on Sky One. It's Maximilian Somerset, a.k.a. Magic Max. Max, how are you, darling? I am very well, my dear. And what a... (laughs) 
great joy it is to be here among gentlemen of such good accomplishment. Wow. <laughs> you say it would be different. There we are. Um, Max, it, it's always uh, a joy and a pleasure to be in your company. Today is no exception. You are my only magician friend. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, there, there, was, there are others have tried and I've said no. You, you, the, the bar is so high. Well, with Max. my dear, you hit jackpot. I Isn't did. That wonderful. <laughs> Indeed, I did. I said to Marcus the other night, "Do you want to see a card trick?" And I made him pay for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> now, Max, you're an honorary inner member of the prestigious Magic Circle I in am London. Indeed. How does one? I mean, let's start from the beginning. Did you always? Were you always drawn to magic? Why did you become a magician? And it's well, obviously something was, that not happens overnight. No, it doesn't happen overnight. It's one of those things. When I was a child, I watched Paul Daniels on the television. I think as we all did people of our generation oh we did and um, I watched him push four coins through a table mm. as a child and I tried it and it didn't work so yeah. I ended up in tears <laughs> my mother came in and you know, she said what, what's going on and I said I'm, these coins won't go he the man on the telly can yeah. make the coins go through the table and then my mother she uh, said stop stealing from me well pretty much yes <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, and then she actually spent some money on me and, and actually bought me a magic kit ah. for Christmas one year as a but child Paul Daniels and, one and, and, kind of thing yeah. I don't remember which one it probably was because they were the only ones going in those days. Yeah, they were, yeah. I mean, we didn't have Marvin's Magic and all these other wonderful jazzy numbers that they have now. You know, they were all very simple with a few thimbles, not much else really, and a deck of cards. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I tried pushing. Uh, I, well, actually, I got the magic kit and I was devastated to learn that actually magic wasn't real. Uh, actually, uh, that you know, hey, no, you shouldn't be saying that. Well, you know, people often ask me the question. They say, you know, Max, I go to perform at places. They go, oh, I don't believe in magic. I say, oh, I'm so glad. I'm mean, you're normal. I stopped <laughs> believing in it when I was six. <laughs> Marvelous. So, so from there, it just grew and grew, I suppose. Yes, I mean. So, I, where did you grow up exactly? I, I, well, I was born in Hammersmith in London, but ah. I grew up in Devon. Oh, right. Back Hampton near Tiverton. There's a lot of magic down there. Isn't I was there? taken by my father to my grandparents' house, who lived in a big manor house in Wanham House, which was marvellous, very opulent. And then they didn't want to look after him because they said, "Oh, you know, well, it's, it's, it's too complicated for us." So they fobbed me off to the lady that used to cook and clean. Yes. So they gave me. It's not a bad lady to no, be fobbed off I mean, to. I suppose. No, she, you... she was fantastic. Yeah. So I would live with, and she was married to the milkman. Um, you, you know, with the milkman. Right, 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 and, yeah, uh, yeah. and 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 so Mervyn and Shirley were my adopted parents. So I would go from this funny little council house place up to this big opulent place. I'd uh -huh. kind of go between the two. Seemed quite normal to me. You know, yes. So it's fine. And, and, and ever since then, I've been entertaining uh, people from royalty to road sweepers. My goodness. I mean, one of the things, Max, th there's many things I love about you, of course, but, but one of the things I really genuinely admire is wherever um, we've been in each other's company, so, for example, we were at a festival last summer and we were all having a drink in, in the bar and there's a group of people and uh, immediately someone says, oh, Magic Max, you know, do, show us some magic. You are a performing monkey. Um, with the, with the, with the, with the, with the uh, greatest of respect. Yeah, as in, as in yes. what I mean by that, sorry, I should refine that statement, yeah. as in you are a performer and, <laughs> and you're always willing to perform for people um, on demand right. is essentially yeah. what I'm getting at. And, and, and I genuinely, I, and I love that about you because it could so easily be, just, just, I'm just having a drink with friends, you know, can we just, but no, you're there. And I think you said something to me along the lines of when I, when I started in this work, I know that people want um, to see magic. They want tricks. They want it, and and you you've embraced that part of, of the job. So I, I think anyone that gets into this business, you know, um, and I hear of sadly there are a number of people out there that get into this business. They don't like the social side of it. They don't like yes. the quote unquote 
dare I say it, celebrity side of it. They don't like it. And actually, that's very wrong because actually those people are the ones who have been paying the bills. Those people are the ones who enjoy what you do. Mm. And therefore, they're very important and they're to be honoured. Yes, absolutely right. Um, And you're a very different type of magician to the likes of... I mean, I'm going to name some... (laughs) very, very famous ones, so, so everyone's on the same page, but the likes of David Blaine or Dynamo or even David Copperfield for the older uh, listeners among us. Um, and your, your sort of style, if you like, is it, it's, it is very warm and friendly. Mm. You're not trying to... Um, I suppose intimidate intimidate because someone like David Blaine I, I know very very different bit so it's scary slightly different demeanour yes. David Copperfield was a little bit like you know I guess you can't say anything about the other guys in the magic circle well no but I'm, I'm going to say but I, well they may not be in the magic circle so, okay. so getting into the magic circle I mean that's very very difficult it's tough I mean you know, can you talk us through the process or is that all well, hush the, hush well no the process is very simple Any, anyone you know we always say at the, at, at the magic circle that the door of magic is not Locked. The ah. door of magic is closed, but it's up to you to open the door. We're not going to open the door for you. There's no gratuitous exposure. Yes. We say indocilis provada loqui, <laughs> which basically means I can't believe that corned beef's gone down 20 pence a tin since Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which not quite happened yet. No. So you never know. But, yeah, Could be I'm a mind pence. reader, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are. You yes. genuinely are. Well, I'd like to. Uh, I look into so, the future. I do that kind of thing. Well, on that sort of. <laughs> on, on that kind of strand is. You. you, you I, I'm not sure if you described yourself as this, or you have been described as an unusualist. Yes. And, and, and that's because the, the array of tricks you do. We're talking, you know, in our previous guest with, with Scott, how he was very innovative. Well, you're very innovative as well, as I'm sure magicians. Not all are, but some sort of feel that they maybe have to be. But some of the tricks you've done, I mean, just to to pluck a couple of favourites of mine, which I've seen on on, on TV, there was one when you were in a shopping centre, and uh, and it's the pants trick. Yes. You essentially uh, go up to members of the public um, and and you beckon them over, and, of course, with their permission, that they they go over and you you chat to them, and and then you tell them, without touching and looking, no funny business... What colour underwear and what type of underwear they're wearing? Well, I had a, I had a, I had a method for it, of course. You've got, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it a, a terrible disservice. There was far more drama and, uh, and, and entertainment yeah. to you, it. You have to speak to the underwear yes. using a megaphone, uh-huh. obviously, yes. because yes. you need to excite yes. the, the, the various atomic rays Absolutely. within the underwear, mm-hmm. and then you can actually listen to the colour with a megaphone. And it's oh, and, Sorry, with, with an ear trumpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An yeah, ear yeah. Trumpet. yeah. And, and then, it's a skill so many of us don't have. Yes, yes, yes. Sadly. <laughs> that's where I differ from a lot of magicians because I like the idea that magic has its own internal logic. Yes. And I like the idea that shoes can translate the journey that they've walked on. I did one trick where I would lick people's shoes. That was at them, outside Liverpool Street yeah, Station, very busy tell them, place. Tell them where they came from. Mm. There was a logic. The shoes... <laughs> And the tongue, the, the shoe hit the tongue, the tongue goes to the brain, the brain then, you know. Yeah. And so you have this sealed hermetic world, which is, has its own parameters. Yes, you of know. course. I mean, obviously, the, the normal one that we live in is matter, energy, space, time. But, yeah. you know, for a magician, it might be slightly different. Absolutely. You know, and scientists tell us there are, what is it, 10 to the power of 500 universes possibly out there kicking around? Who knows? I might just be in a slightly different one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, certainly. I mean, Lawrence can tell um, what restaurant it is by licking the window of, of, of a restaurant. You see. matter, energy, space tongue yes yeah. exactly exactly yeah. um now we, we're going to try so you um are you going to perform some magic for us today well i can show you a couple of fun little bits yes I mean, please i, I mean i appreciate an audio it, it, it tends not to be an audio this feature. is going to take some commentary is what you're saying it might well do yeah let's see if we can 
just just try so um make sure uh, you're talking into the microphone well so i'm going to uh, do the best i can i'm going to try to do the best of both things at once okay he stood up now, just <laughs> stood up now for the visually <laughs> impaired well so, there are cameras in the studio so. there oh is an envelope yes with a question mark on it it is serious already uh -huh. now of course whenever you see an envelope with a question mark on it that should make you question why there's a question mark mm. it's a bit like whenever you read the word therefore in a book you have to ask yourself the question what's it there for absolutely you know so these are very important things mm -hmm. we're on the same and, page and, and they're far. a bit cyclical but it's okay we'll, we'll we'll put that somewhere so i'm going to give that to you okay now. i'll have the question mark orange envelope in case now anybody's here's interested what we're going to do okay I, i've got um, a couple of dice here right. oh. uh, well yes and there's a blue one and a red one can you see that yeah make sure that they've got all six numbers on them you can see all that excellent yeah check that lawrence check that now i'm going to give you we're going to throw the dice into this glass yeah and and what i'm going to do is i'm going to offer you to record either the first throw, the second throw, or the third throw. Would you like to record the first throw, the second throw, or the third throw? <laughs> the first throw. The first throw. It's entirely Excellent. up to you. Yeah, the first but, throw. Yeah. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. Now, I just want you to make sure, before we do this, by the way, <laughs> mm -hmm. I want you just to throw the dice on the table a few times to make okay. sure they don't always yeah. land on the really? same numbers. So okay. four and yeah, three yeah, there. Well, okay, we haven't yet thrown them into the glass. Uh, okay. Yeah, same five and five. Wow. God, yeah, tell you what. Snake eyes. Right. So here we this go. is going to be good, ladies and gentlemen. Pin your ears back. In to the glass. Go for it. Throw them into the glass. Ready? There we are. The they're in the glass. Throw, and you've wow. got the, the blue represents the first digit. The red represents the second. And that is 36. Yeah. Okay, can you see that? Yeah, 36. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to write that down um, and you've got to write down 30. Do you need a pen, good right. sir? I got, I got one. Oh, oh it's fine. I, I think I, I have. Oh, no, we'll use that one. It's is, fine. Good. Yeah, is this one, is that yeah, magic that enough, that pen? Yes. Okay, so there we are. Down, a th three and a six. Yes, yeah, so, okay, so there we are. So the, the dice That's has been rolled in the glass. Three, 36. And a six. 36. Right. The pen now, would be great. Yep. Okay. 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 I've got another one here if that helps. No, no, it's there. It's right there. You see, 36. Here we go. Here we go. on the top of it. 36. Right. Excellent. Boom. Now, first throw, second throw, or third throw? Third. Third throw. Okay, yeah. take the dice. Okay. Throw them in the glass. Throw it in the glass. There's your first throw. It's yep. 13. Forget okay. that. Right. Second throw. Go again. Yeah. There's the second throw. Okay. Wow. Okay. Same again. 13 that. again. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Third throw. Go for it. Ready. It's wow. It's 21. Because remember, the blue represents first the first yeah. digit. That's so right. Write that down. So write down 21 on there. Okay. Let's have a look at that. Okay. Two, yeah. Okay, Marcus, first throw, yes. second throw, or third throw? I, I'll go for second throw. Second throw. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to do the okay. honours, Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, okay, throw them yeah. in. Here That's, the first first one. Right. That's the first, first one. That's the first one. Okay. Second throw. Here go we go. Here, Here we go. go. You have wow. 13. Right? 13 has come up three times. So, it has. That is scary, yeah. isn't it? It I'm really like, is. But not on the throw that you asked for. No. You notice that. Yes. Okay, so 36, 21, 30. And the last time, first throw, second throw, or third throw. First throw. Okay. First throw is entirely up to you. Throw it in there. Go yeah. for it. <gasps> And we have 65. Wow, great year. <laughs> now, second throw would have been... Would have been... 64. You said that would have given us a different number. Classic. So now, the odds of you getting 36 followed by 21 followed by 13 followed by 65. If you think about that for a moment. I, yeah. I, you think about that for a moment. Well, you've got two dice in there. So one in six multiplied by six, that's a one in 36. Yeah. I, I offered you first throw, second throw, or third throw. That's you a did. one in 108. Yes. Now, you multiply 108 by 108 because we did that twice. Yep, yep, yep. And that gives you 11,664. You're good at that. You multiply that by 108 and that gives you 1,259,712. You multiply that by 108 and you've got 136,048,896. I'll take there your word your for odds. it. Mm. The odds of that 
being in that particular order. 36, yes. yep. 21, yep. and 13. Yes. They are the odds. They are the of odds. That, of that happening. Now, what I find fascinating is, and I haven't got 136... I haven't got 136 million and 48,896 different pieces of paper. No, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't have thought you would. Now, look, that is a piece of paper with 66 different words on it. Yes. Depending on what you threw... Yeah. ...will depend on the words and the order in which they come. Mm. Read some of the words out for me. <laughs> some of the... Uh, you've got... Just any of them? Any of them, random. You, me, others, okay, highly... what numbers are next to them? Uh, number one, number two. What's so, next to number 12? Number 12 is on. OK, what's next to number 31? Uh, that is kitchen. OK, so if you'd have had 12 and then 31, that would have been on kitchen, but you didn't, did you? No, no I didn't. Yeah, read, read another one. Read me 60, uh, 64 would have 64 been the last we, uh, would have 64? Been. Impossible. No. But that's not what we ended up with, was it? No. no. We ended up with 64. Five, yeah. which is improbable. Okay, read the first one was thirty-six. <laughs> thirty-six. What's the first one? That. That twenty-one is is and then thirteen, 13 is highly. That is highly sixty-five. Improbable. Improbable. Now, it could have read that is highly impossible, but it didn't. <laughs> it could have read it that. Could have been the second, but it wasn't. It was the it was the, the first. Absolutely. Wow. Open the envelope. No. Open I'm opening the envelope. The envelope. Open Here the envelope with a question mark. There you see. I've opened that. That was Read sealed. Read out what it says. There's small writing and, and big writing. Read it out loud. What does it say? <laughs> that is highly no, improbable. something at the top. Oh, what does it say? Hey, Marcus, thanks for having me on FUBAR, and I think you will agree that is highly improbable. Really? There you go. Oh, magic That was amazing. That is unbelievable. Wow. I'll tell you what. Take your take your hat off to him, Lawrence. If I was wearing a hat, it were, it's already off. To Bloody be hell! I've just seen a one in one hundred thirty-six million and forty-eight thousand eight hundred and ninety-six to what? Yet whatever it was. He's done it a million times before. That oh, it never yeah. worked. We're, yes, that's right. Thank God we yeah. kept this recording. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm sure there'll be a video up on online somewhere, Max. That was that was absolutely incredible. Before you go, Max. I would I would like to uh, point out to everybody that that you don't just do tricks. You've played the organ at the Royal Albert Hall before. I have, yes, I'm a musician. I was at Trinity College of Music yeah. in London. How about that? And wow. and um, I I love uh, music, and sometimes I combine the music and the magic together as well. Absolutely, I've seen you do it. So we we have all sorts of crazy things. I had Max's naked big band prediction. That's one thing that we mm -hmm. did with a whole big band and then various instruments covering the um, <clears throat> various parts. But it was quite a fun <laughs> piece. And then and then I Joanna the psychic piano and various bits like that. And sometimes. Sometimes I get the chance just just to play the piano. You'll often find me at the Chelsea Arts Club, tinkling away. And uh, you have yeah. a little tinkle of the ivories. Yes, I, I do. I do. I do love to, to tinkle, and, and it's one of my great joys yes. to be able to incorporate the two, or one, or the other. Well, having seen you tinkle, I can say that it is uh, one hell of an experience. Wow! Thank you very much indeed. Um, uh, now I believe, Max, there's a, a podcast you're going on soon. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. It, it's just out this Monday. It, it, it is uh, Steve Lazarus, Your London Legacy, and it talks a lot about my funny old history and and you know kind of my philosophy of life and 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 uh, kind of all the strangeness of, of my upbringing mm. and, and and the funny stories about how I met my mother after 36 years of life and then finally met my half brother and half sister who I didn't know I even had and if you want to hear about it and if you're interested in it it's a great he's doing a wonderful podcast um, out and about in London and it's called Steve Lazarus Your London Legacy marvelous Max it's been an absolute pleasure Lawrence mm. how about that, that trick was really eh? incredible yeah in, in real life I think it was 10 times better yes. than it sounded I agree but it sounded impossible <laughs> <laughs> but of course it was highly improbable yeah, exactly. there we are Max it's been an absolute pleasure a great joy thank you both yeah, very much, much indeed thank you sir
Tuesday Takeover with Marcus Speller on FUBAR Radio. Oh, hello, everybody. It's FUBAR. It's the Tuesday Takeover. My name is Marcus Speller. Lawrence McKenna, the twinkly-eyed superstar, is opposite me. Good to see you. How, you doing? How about that? A bit of magic. We are wheeling in great guests one after the other today. You have lined up. I mean, if you were a guest booker, this oh, would yeah. basically oh, be oh, the yeah. equivalent of having like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah. The build-up um, is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, is the voice of Bubba McCarthy. Drummer, keyboardist producer, you name it, he does it. He's performed with John Newman, Jennifer Hudson and Ella Eyre to name a few. Bubba, wow. it's a flipping pleasure to have you in the studio. I'm very happy to be here. Of course you are, mate, because it's raining out there. <laughs> <laughs> where, um, where, of course, you'd probably be walking around. I got uh, just... caught. My feet are very soggy right now, but the viewers, didn't, well, the listeners didn't need to know that. My yeah. goodness. Um, Bubba, you, you, um, you are a, a session musician, of course. That's how you pay the bills. But yes. you do also all other, uh, other things. You are the only person I know that's been on the Graham Norton show. The Graham Norton show. Hey, how yeah. about that? That's how you start I, I a chat, isn't it? Norton show. Who doesn't love the Graham Norton show for crying out loud? Uh, Maybe Jonathan Ross. Ross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, necessary, yeah. um, once it was his, of course. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, let's start with that. Okay. You, you, you were you were um, drumming? No. Or keyboarding? Playing piano for yes. Jennifer Hudson. For Jennifer Hudson, wow. of course. Now, what, how did that? Had you been working with Jennifer Hudson a lot before that? I hadn't. Do you know the funny thing? I just had something cancelled. And I was a bit miffed about it. And then <laughs> I got a call from... Can you tell us what was cancelled or is that all hush-hush? Oh, I think it was just an event that they booked me and then decided that they didn't have any budget for me. <sighs> so they cancelled... You've the always got to have budget for Bubba. You've got to always have budget for Bubba. It's tough out there. Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was pretty upset. And then literally as I got that email, I got a call from a friend who's also a fixer. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you happen to be free? Uh, I've got an artist from the States who needs a piano player. And that turned out to be Jennifer Hudson. So you don't so know. I was available. That's amazing. <laughs> but when they say you've got an artist, do you, do you ever think... There's some people, some people who call me don't mention it. They want to see what I say. Uh, okay. know, oh, so when, so, so when a fixer phones you and says, there's an artist yeah, from the States, you're right. thinking, are they kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink? I don't know. Sometimes they just try to hide their cards. Because and... uh, what if you turn up and it's someone who you like think, oh, they're awful? Well, I just do it, and yeah, and you're a professional. I'm a professional. Yeah. You're a professional, like Lawrence. I mean, he yeah. thought that about today, but bless yeah. him, he's here and he's staying. He's stuck around <laughs> with me. Say, what's he going to do? What, misplay the keyboard? <laughs> <laughs> Sit there and go, whoops, wrong note. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how, how did you get into the the, the session music? I mean, you studied music, of course. Uh, I actually studied history first. Yes. So the history th- of music. music. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his new Broadway play. I'm going to get into more the modern stuff yeah, now. Exactly, it's yeah. my time. Yeah. yeah. Perfect delivery. Um, <laughs> did history. Much uh, like yourself, of uh, course. Oh, thank you very much. At Warwick. And then I decided I didn't wow. want to be a lawyer. Yeah. And so I did one year at a music college. Oh, you'd have been wasted in the courtroom. Wasted. Uh huh. And then I decided. You're not you know allowed what? to be drunk as a lawyer. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> very good. Gosh. Go on, carry on. So, anyway. you, so you didn't go down the lawyer path. I uh, did one year at music college and decided I wanted to be a musician and wow. try it out. Right. Uh, earned hardly any money in my first couple of years yep. and then slowly but surely started to make a living. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, it, it's incredible, that, as I said, as I said at the top of the, uh, of the chat, some of the, the musicians you, you've worked with. You're about to go on tour with, with John Newman, of course. That's right, yeah. Um, who has an amazing voice. I know it's been said once, but I, 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 in preparation for you coming on, I listened to a few tracks and I was like, 
that man he's you know when got... it's a bit like when somebody when they speak and yeah. then they sing and you think well where does that come from Whoa, yeah. I suppose the ultimate example of that you could say maybe was Amy Winehouse right right that kind of yeah. thing yeah northern lad yeah really down to earth and then yeah. when he sings he just has a soulful it turns into rich like a, tone yeah, yeah it, it, it's incredible you, but you know John quite well I know you? John quite well we've just become really good friends after working together for uh-huh. uh, quite a few years now so yeah he's a good friend you must get to know someone when you play their music yeah, if you tour with them quite a lot, because touring is very intimate. So if you tour with them, then you basically become family. And right. That's, and that's what he's become. Just you just you end up spending ages together, really. Exactly. Like, a lot of touring is also waiting yes. for people to set up and, like, <laughs> yeah. sort of, yeah. um, you know, just going, yeah, so do you remember when you did that last <laughs> night? Yeah, don't ever do that yeah. again, sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the show will normally be from, like, nine to half ten. Yeah. And then you've got the whole day up till then to... Yeah. Do what you want, and you're, really. and also it must be such a bonding experience. Like obviously, in doing a radio show, it's, it's, you're working together. We're yeah. almost making a bit of a mm. our own piece now. But like when you're actually on stage, <laughs> oh, you guys are friends. It, it would definitely. Yeah, it it must, might not be in about an hour when, when you're on stage. Uh, it must be a bit like you know you, when you're getting applause. You've helped him. He's helped you. Yeah. There's a really good feeling. It must bond you a lot. Definitely, it's 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 one of the best things. It's like a team sport being yeah. in a band. It is like a team sport, but. I suppose the only sort of analogy would be with American football. John Newman's very much the quarterback, though. He is very much the quarterback. Now, now, and I, this is quite so. Because, I mean, look here. It, 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 you know, it's the Marcus Miller takeover. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't want to be a session musician. I want to be front and centre. Throw me the ball, Marcus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although you, know, you pick a really good one because actually, as much as he's the quarterback, yeah. If the quarterback doesn't have the rest of his team, well, there, of he course. basically gets sacked on every play. He doesn't have anyone right. to throw to. Mm. Exactly, and he wouldn't also have anyone to defend him. Well, as right. so Quite rightly said, it is a team sport. Yeah. But his name is the name up in lights. His name. He's the one yeah. everyone's coming to see. Now, have you always been totally fun? Because obviously you love being on stage. Yeah. But is it a case, do, with session musicians, is there ever a feeling of kind of, I wouldn't mind to, you know, just have a little bit more recognition? Or are you kind of like, do you know what? I, I'm totally fine here. I am absolutely fine. This is what I signed up for and this is what I want. Uh,. You know what? Be I, honest, blah, yeah, blah. no, no. I think a lot of people, people uh, think actually, yeah, I'd quite like to have my because at the end of the day, you know, you're playing other people's music, yeah. so mm. a lot of people feel like they want to produce their own music, mm. so then that can be played. So I love uh, there's some people that I know that have their own original things going on the side, yeah. Whilst they play for an artist, I think that's so, yeah. some people turn up to the studio and they think both our names will be in the jingle, <laughs> right? And then and it's only one, yeah, dear. exactly. Tuesday takeover with Marcus Speller on Fubar Radio, and yeah. it's eloquently, it definitely as just says delivered. It, it did just say one name in there, didn't <laughs> it? It's right, I'm used to being a bit of a sideshow, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, You know what? Uh-huh. There, was, there was this one time where I you've watched, been typecast, mate. Yeah, that's what you have. yeah, that's my main problem. I'm Macaulay Culkin in many ways. <laughs> So I, I like I'm used to being a bit of a sideshow, but what I noticed was, yeah. and I had an in, I saw an interview with Snoop Dogg and ASAP Rocky, and it was a good interview. Oh well, Snoop I, can, Dogg I can only imagine. As hell. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'll assume that. Yeah, exactly. Unless yeah, otherwise, yeah. Said, I'll assume that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but he said in working with Dr. Dre when they got on stage, he realizes sometimes that to step back and observe someone else and right. be like, "Wow, look at that!" Like you know, when mm. as a pianist, you'll get your chance yeah, to do your yeah, solo yeah, 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 yeah. To, to step back out the light. Yes. When you then step back into the light, mm-hmm. the shine feels even better because it's together. That's I kind of feel true. like that with you when I'm watching you do the interviews. I'm yeah. like, he doesn't need my help here. Oh, I'm, I'm just sitting sort of... You'll be the Snoop Dogg to his Dr. Dre. I think in many ways I'm Dr. Dre and Marcus is the Snoop Dogg, right. but that's mostly just down to our drug consumption. <laughs> right. 
Um, that's <laughs> a joke. Yeah, was a yeah. joke. <laughs> it's not an accusation. Um, yeah. Or an admission. Yeah, exactly. So what do you enjoy the most playing? Because obviously you said he does drums and then you said a piano. Ooh, so yeah, a what do you one. enjoy playing most for other people? And also what gives you the most latitude to experiment a little bit? That's a good question. Keys. See, I couldn't have asked that question. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No, yeah. you didn't even know where to start. You are valued here, Lawrence, yeah. for crying out loud. Um, the piano slash keyboards is probably the most ra- well-rounded instrument. You can kind of do anything, but I do love to drum. It's so you know you can yeah. really go in and be full of energy. Yeah. Just hit things, you know. Who's the drummer that you look up to most? Because Pro- I watched a documentary gone. Animal from the Muppets. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I watched a documentary recently about Ringo. Oh yeah. And yeah. there was obviously oh, no, I know that guy. Right. So Ringo Starr from the Beatles. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah I've heard of him. Yeah, 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 the Beatles are like a very famous band. Uh-huh. So um and the the documentary mm. was partly based on the the phrase that John Lennon once said, which was oh, yeah. he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, of course. Which obviously was then an immortalized quote. Yeah. But Bob was, was not the best drummer in this room, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I often just get two pens and just sort of hit them on the, <laughs> the sides and wave from a microwave. You just cross hands slightly and you're away. Exactly. And people yeah. go, Wow, you're just Ringo Starr. Indeed. But um it was amazing because they were talking about the influence of him as a drummer on so many people yep. so as a drummer like who do you look up to Ooh, I love a guy called Steve Jordan right who is one of the drummers for John Mayer wow oh, okay. Right, okay. and he is incredible and what makes him I suppose you'd have to be with John Mayer because the type of music he plays yeah he just is as steady as anything and it, it's just the feel that it makes it's not it's not always the most complicated thing right but when you break it down, you're like, well, I, I can't even do that. The movement know? of the hands, those kind. It, and some, what, what I didn't really appreciate is, uh, especially when you're younger and you are taught in music class, oh, let's make some music. All you really hear is like, beat, beat, mm. beat. Because it's a, an electronic yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You never think about the, the angle at which you hit the drum or Technique. those kind of things. And you realize now when I'm listening to it, and maybe I realize that anyway, but now when I'm listening to it, I'm like, well, you can actually hear the personality of the person mm. who yes. is drumming here. Which yes. is why Ringo is apparently so good, and why Questlove and people like that exactly. in, in the states Questlove is, so is good. another one. Yeah, it's mm. like people just want his sound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they yeah. just know him. It's not just his hair. It's I, like, oh my gosh, that's that's Questlove player. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, but is there a music? Is there an artist particularly that you haven't worked with that you'd love to work with? Don't worry, that we're not sort of. If you uh, could put this out there, so yeah, well, just so okay, I, yeah. they can call me. I can well, say my number now. later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Through the door. Is yeah. there anyone in particular, like a, a real sort of maybe when you got into the industry, there was like, oh, I'd love to work with that person. Uh, I've always loved Pharrell. Yeah, wow. I just I just feel like he's a creative genius. I feel like he'd be like a one man band. So he'd be like drumming, That's playing right. bass at the same time. Definitely. His stage, he'd be exhausted by the end Apparently of it. Apparently, Stevie Wonder was like that. Where yeah, like Stevie Ste- Wonder, yeah, he does plays everything, everything on and the record. It's so just him. I hate to keep going on about this Motown documentary, but there's an amazing, and I can't encourage people to. Yeah, yeah no, to no, watch absolutely. It. It's called Hitsville, the making of uh, Motown. It, in this documentary, they talk about the moment when Stevie Wonder first stepped into the mm. studio in Motown. Yeah, and he was a kid. He was like 13. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, he'd been blind for his whole life, so mm. he'd had to, um, you know, find other ways to express himself. Yep. He picks up the bass, perfect on bass. It's crazy, up, isn't it? Even picks up something as simple as a tambourine. Everyone's like, he's even good on the tambourine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then does <laughs> give the him the triangle. See how he's on the yeah. triangle. And then you know the most amazing thing is when you listen to the breakdown of the um, the tracks yeah. that Stevie Wonder records for things like Superstition. Yeah, yeah. You start to realise like what real music composition is, and I'm sure that you have a lot of appreciation for that as a session drummer. I have a drummer. lot of 
appreciate mm. I know I yeah I've, I think I've seen that documentary and it's incredible yeah makes mm. go Stevie yeah. uh, absolutely I mean it, Bubba what something I love about you because as I say you're about to go on tour with, with John Newman you're playing some, some big venues as well yet uh, we both go to the same church and on Sunday oh. when uh, it was it was the kids time they were doing some yeah. of the kids music you're love still it. playing away love and it. you are into that love as it. much as you're doing you might see you on stage with the likes of music John music. Newman and Jennifer Tell you what, kids tunes are incredible you, you were loving it man I just remember tunes. thinking to myself Oh, that's brilliant. What kind of kids' tunes are we talking? You give here? that man a stage. It doesn't matter who's watching, how really? many people. He's I love up there. That, it's just like bluesy. Right. <laughs> Come on, Marcus. Okay, I'm just just formulating the lyrics in my mind. Think Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Come on, baby. I, yeah, you stopped a bit too quick for me. Sorry, I was about bad. to. Yeah. Don't oh, show me up like that again. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Um, uh, absolutely. You've played Glastonbury, of course, Bubba. Played Glastonbury. Wow. wow. You played. You were with uh, Angel Hayes. Am yes, I right? That so, was a throwback. You were thrown in at the last minute with that one. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I, I mean, so that was quite interesting. Obviously, Jennifer Hudson, you'd not done too much work with before, obviously, right. as you, as you've right. mentioned. Do you find it? Do you prefer? Say with the like the the much aforementioned John Newman, you, you get to know the person, you yeah, work yeah, with them yeah. a lot, and then you you get the style. Being thrown in must be quite a different experience, yeah. because you don't know them personally, yeah. and obviously, even though it's an act, a lot of one's personality is in the performance. Yeah. Do you find that a bit sort of tricky, or do you sort of love the idea of just going right, let's go for it, kind of thing? I think I love it. Right. It, it, there's a term called, I guess, roasted. <laughs> You're just thrown in at the deep end. Right. Yeah, I remember even with John, right? I'm the first time. So he just it's Mr. Newman. let go. Mr. To, Newman. to you it yes. is, but to Bubba it's very much yeah. John. He, he just let go of the previous keyboard player. Ah. And so I didn't have time to meet anyone or rehearse. So the first time I met everyone was at the airport. Wow. And they were like, oh, I guess you're the new guy. And it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> And about five hours later, we were on stage playing together. Flipping eggs. So, so got, yeah, that's no practice time. Then. No practice time. So, so I got I got up? the tracks. Wow. Okay. You're listening uh, to I them. listened to them. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't just go. Uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, John. I've got this. Oh, that was me. <laughs> let's see what happens. Is that, no so way. you were genuinely just thrown in at the deep end. Quite a lot of the time. Did, yeah, you get, did you ever turn up and just start humming someone else's tunes <laughs> yeah. to just to kind of mess yeah. with them? You better go on stage. Oh yeah, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to that one called "Sorry" oh, that yeah. you do. Gosh, <laughs> it's very much. Like Is it too late now to say so? Yeah, John, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love. You've got a friend in me. Yeah. That's yeah. Randy. Yeah. Okay. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, presumably that doesn't happen because, again, Bubba is a professional. professional. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people don't realise about music either is because we enjoy it, because a lot of entertainment things sort of come off, come off as very easy, yeah. you yeah. obviously go, oh, well, you know. Oh, not many people. Yeah, exactly, yeah, like it's something that people do in their spare time, those kind of things. I appreciate this because this is now saying that I put in hours and hours and hours into my work, yeah. which I do. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah, I was really just which trying you to do now, what Bubba. we do is which important. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said a what, ton of emails. What's instrument? My first instrument was piano. Okay, and so, okay. Um, uh, and then, how many different instruments can you play? Uh, two, two. Okay, no, yeah. but you, uh, you're it being you're being like, very conservative. No, there. everyone always says, "Oh, you play everything," because I play the keyboards. And no, I but I'm sure you can play other instruments. You're I, saying I genuinely can't. That's br I love that. You can program the keyboard to make other noises. Yeah, though, true so enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, but, but you you play your instrument. You get. Other people, you get the guitarist to play the guitar. Thank you. Hey, you don't Brilliant. buy a dog and then bark yourself, Lawrence. Okay, <laughs> that's is all I'm saying. Point. You don't get a guitarist and then strum yourself. That's the point. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you're also a music producer, Bubba. I am indeed. Now, uh, obviously, very different to, to to playing on the stage. What what is it like about the music producing that you would enjoy, which is obviously quite different to the, the stage stuff? Uh, 
you get in a room with people and mm. you meet them for the first time and by the end of the day you would have produced and written a track uh -huh. yeah. and it's crazy because y you hear some of the craziest stories because it's basically uh you know therapy slash confession slash <laughs> it's all these it's sort of what this is really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wait for the last 15 <laughs> minutes of the show ladies and gentlemen Woo. marcus is gonna have a breakdown <laughs> so uh, what kind of music do you produce uh, it's all pop Okay. Different variants of pop music. How do you uh, how do you regard pop then in terms of an art form? Because I think a lot of people nowadays uh, can be a little bit dismissive, but there are a lot of people out there writing good pop songs. Yeah, do you know what? I I used to be one of those people, and be like, oh, I'm a jazzer, or I'm a, yeah. you know, I'm I'm doing my own niche sound or whatever. But you know what? There's nothing better for me than a great pop tune a, ho a hook on a pop a song it, but, but, but we it. all love it though everyone does that's why it's popular music there you are you see that's you know, it I, I, don't cool. get me wrong I love other genres of music but I think I've come no, to no. really just pop <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's end on a fickle note, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, so, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, and that must be so. I'm, I can't imagine how exciting that is because I think there's mm. a lot of people who experiment with garage band at home and, right, right, and right. stuff. Mm. How good must that be for? That must be such a satisfying moment. Someone goes, "How about this?" And then you play, it and they go, "Yeah." Yeah. And yeah. then their eyes light up, mm. and then they're singing. Yes. And then you're doing the drum. Dun, 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 that must dun, dun, dun. be so satisfying. Yeah. Love it. I, I think. I think that's it. I think if you're not in music, you know, you're not sort of performing on the stage. I think most people would love a go at that. Yeah, as, as, you're birthing music. You're creating but, music. Yeah, but that know. kind of that kind of the lights are flashing. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> bang. You know, it's, it's wonderful sort of showbiz. And 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 to, to walk off and often you've got that reverb sound yeah, as you yeah, kind of yeah. walk off. So that you've must got it be. In your head that it's like confetti and yeah, and it must be an amazing feeling. Yeah, it is great. Yeah, yeah. There is um, there's a really good story told in uh, TED Talk about um, sort of that really special moment. Yes, mm. and it's about you know the word Olay. Do you know where the word Olay comes from? Spain. Spain. Do you know where it comes from in Spain? Mm. So Andalusia. Think, uh, roughly there. Yeah. I think it used to be the Moorish Empire. <laughs> uh -huh. So Seville. Day, back in the day, around there. Yes, yeah, Marcus. Yeah. Stop Madrid. naming places now. <laughs> Calle de Sol. Yeah. Um, Donde Marcus. <laughs> And so, yeah, is there a blue plaque on the wall or something? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so they, back in the day when people used to dance and make music, right? Oh, yeah. If people could hear God in the music, ah. then they would shout Allah, Allah, and chant oh, that because it was along, a Moorish country chant that back in the, the music, day. right? And yeah. so over time in Spain, that became Olé because they said they could see God either in the music, hear God in the music, or see God in the dancer. How about and that, I was going to say, you obviously you perform at a church. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of artists out there who do say that sometimes they feel like they can feel God when they're... Uh, performing, have you ever had sort of um, almost like a spiritual sort of yeah, yeah, sort of a spiritual experience? Because uh, there are so many yeah, times yeah, where yeah. There's someone who doesn't believe in God necessarily, not in the traditional sense. Well, that's why you get that's close why to a it. lot of people do music because you get that that feeling that you can't explain. Yeah, I remember we were in uh, Serbia, and it's probably the most incredible gig I've ever done. Was that for uh, the festival there? It was a f yeah festival in in Serbia. It's like yeah, an all night. It's all it meant to be quite good. That yeah, one, yeah, eh? it's that incredible. Whole area is oh, a yeah. very uh, yeah, mm. but. Uh, 80,000 people singing, <laughs> singing. It's bigger John's than a football tunes. ramble live show, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just there was a moment, I think, I, I just remember just thinking, and also I try to look at people when I'm playing. Because mm. when you catch people, I got that from Chris Martin actually. When you look people in the Chris. eye, there's this moment, the connection that you yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I, that spiritual, whatever it is that people want to sure. call it, you, you definitely get it sometimes, all the time. Yeah, you're getting it now. 
You're close to as close as one can. As close as one can to without being on the stage. It's synchronicity. (laughs) It's synchronicity, people. That's what I do enjoy, though. There is something about that when you're when you're a live gig. I went to go and see uh, Dire Straits not long ago in the Royal Albert Hall. Mm -hmm. I like just send shivers down your spine because it's the Royal Albert Hall is amazing. That's a great venue as well. Yeah. And so, which venues in London will you be playing at on the John Newman? We are doing Shepherd's Bush two nights at Shepherd's Bush. Two nights. You done Shepherd's Bush? Football Ramble. Football Ramble is on the 11th of October in Shepherd's Bush Empire. There's only about five tickets left. No doubt you've already sold it out in minutes, though. Hey, you're smashing it. Not bad for a podcast that uh, perhaps many of these listeners haven't heard of. There we go. It's good, It's not about me. Well, it's about me. It's my takeover. Um, No, uh, so there's a couple of nights at Shepherd's Bush Empire. Uh, Anywhere else, or is that... uh, I think that's it in London. The rest are kind of dotted around. Yeah. Where's your favourite place? Favourite, what, in general? Probably Just in general, sort of play. Like, have you got a place where you, if you could go back to it, you'd sort of. Mm. That's a very interesting question. We're going to have to finish on it. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, just make it up, Bubba. Yeah. O2's pretty good. Uh, yeah. It's a good answer. Yeah, O2 can be special. It's a good answer. Yeah, mine's probably Wembley Stadium. Yeah, yeah. I haven't played there yet. I've well, played okay. there. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually played there. I've seen other people play there yeah. uh, many times. Bubba, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you very you much, my good man. Great luck for the tour. And we look forward to seeing you on stage soon enough. Bubba, everyone. God bless you, man. Thank God you. Bubba. <laughs> Golf clap for the end of that there. Tuesday Takeover with Marcus Speller on Fubar Radio. Do you know what I love about that jingle? Go on. It sounds like an alarm warning people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go. They're crying out loud, switch off. It's Marcus Speller on yeah. Fubar Radio. Yeah, exactly. Is what uh, your eyes seem to say, Lawrence. But of course, uh, the good listeners know better than that. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody, Fubar Radio. I am Marcus Speller of the Football Ramble Parish. Uh, Lawrence McKenna is, is, is here of the True Geordie Parish also as well. Football Ramble Parish. Though, if, so, in yeah. a way, in yeah. a way. But we have someone who is... Um, parish are you from? I'm not from the Football Parish. You are from... <laughs> the BBC parish one could say wow. Emma Pritchard-Jones wow. in the studio wow. welcome BBC <laughs> news journalist specialising in arts and entertainment and a passionate advocate for gender equality in the media Emma um, you're sounds like you're a better human being than Lawrence and I Whoa. it wouldn't be difficult would it ah, there <laughs> we see she packs a punch she packs a punch Lawrence should, I should make it clear that I'm I'm um, uh, I'm not a member of BBC staff but yes I do of course the BBC who is a member of BBC <laughs> staff these days I can tell you people who aren't uh, <laughs> yeah. In these neoliberal capitalist times that we live in. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Everyone's a freelancer. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. An exorbitant rate in London. <laughs> so. Now, Emma, you, um, as I say, specialise in the arts and entertainment. Yeah. Film, uh, you know, is a big thing that, 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 that you do. You've reported it on the Oscars, mine. Cannes Film Festival, uh, and many, many more. You were at the Venice Film Festival recently. Mm, wow. Lovely part of the world, Venice. Lawrence, mm. you would agree with that. I've never been to it. It's one of the few places I've never been to. Everyone oh. says it's very romantic. Beautiful. Uh, sometimes they say it smells. Yeah, I, I, people who who sort of slag off Venice and go, oh, it's a bit smelly. There's a there's a flipping river where there should be a high street. It's fantastic, right? You know, the thing about the Venice Film Festival is it's not actually in Venice. It's up an it's on an island, 15 minutes away from, yeah. from Venice, which is great wow. because it's on an even smaller island. It's, yeah, it's, it's for the beach basically. Wow. A lot of film journalists do go to. It's obviously not me. I go for the films. Obviously, but, yeah, obviously. Wow. But no, it is. It's my favourite festival, and I do go to quite a few each year. I yeah. Do, so Venice is your favourite. Why yeah. is Venice? Is it the setting no. or is it the the, the quality? Go of for the, the beach, stay for the films. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, well, it is. It's partly because of the sunshine. It's that that f- you know. It's cannot summer feel. Well, not for the last couple of years actually. It's oh. really rained at Cannes. No, no. Should I be called the Cannes Film Festival, <laughs> yeah. perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. 
I, t- I tell you what I, lo- I love about Venice is the uh, is not only it's the, the weather smell. and the setting. It's no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it's just it's just it's slightly more relaxed than Cannes. Right. Like Cannes is an incredible festival you just go um, but it is it's completely full on mm. it is crazy from the moment you arrive to the moment you leave uh-huh. and it's just this kind of thing about can Venice is way more relaxed the Italian good life you know see some great movies mm-hmm. eat some great pasta what kind of it's, thing it's so it's like a lovely old time <laughs> yes. I mean it's I did, more like a holiday <laughs> to be quite honest, <laughs> yes, uh, with, with a bit of covering movies for awards season freelance journalism is just one there's a big driving theatre there's a big driving theatre they all get the scooters <laughs> far yeah, up exactly. there and you have a pizza to finish hey, the day. Ben, eh? yeah. <laughs> but, but, so around uh, around that then when you go to the Venice Film Festival you expect a different kind of film from the Cannes Film Festival but is it like is there a vibe yes. or is it just literally what's just the, sort of like look, just bring your films to any festival no I, t- I tell you the thing with with Cannes is uh, it's it's very specific directors that go to it's very specific hmm. directors that go to to Cannes so there's a there's a kind of a, a, a club in the sense that um, like British directors like Ken Loach mm. Mike Lee they'll always get invited yeah. to Cannes the thing about Venice is that Venice has a certain kind of club of, of directors who like to keep on going back uh-huh. uh, there but it's the start of award season mm. so what you find is that people want to walk the Venice red carpet which is almost as beautiful as the Cannes red carpet mm. soaked um, get those <laughs> yeah occasionally occasionally but the, get those really lovely pictures of, uh, of, of their stars going up the carpet at the start of award season and right. you just put it in the minds of the people voting for these awards that's good ah this is this is a great premiere and historically for the last few years the, the films that have won the Oscars like yeah. Birdman for example and The Shape of Water they've all previewed at Venice so right now Venice is a, a really hot ticket as a film festival because right. you show your film there and the idea is is that almost certainly you have the, the momentum behind you to go all the way to the Oscars and that might be true this year of one film in particular and that's Joker yes. which is out very soon I'm sure you all want to see it I'd love to see it I do want to see so that so Joker's yeah. like my favourite bad guy character anyway right and then I think um, Heath Ledger sort of made it an iconic mm. character uh, well Jack so, Nicholson played his part Lawrence. yeah but uh, in the modern I- iteration of yeah. the Joker yeah, and in the darkest yeah. sense of yeah. if you read the comics which the only reason I read the Batman comics is because my dad liked them as a kid he was a much darker character than uh, Jack Nicholson portrayed him as <laughs> and he's done some terrible things you, this one there's a bit of controversy around it though isn't there where people are wondering if it's going to incite crimes those kind of thing uh, well th- there has been asks basically in cinemas in America no no masks anything like that right. yeah. do, do not bring a mask you will not be allowed what to, if it's to wear a, it was that the same at the Venice the Venetian masks I don't think well, <laughs> or is that, I didn't uh, see any Carnivale masks in, okay. the, in, in the theatre doing oh, it right. but, she know, knows the, the thing, name of the mask to market that but so do I just wanted to set the yeah. guest up you know that kind of <laughs> the thing about yeah. seeing the film first which is it's an incredibly exciting feeling as a, as a journalist oh, absolutely. To, to, to know that you're seeing a film first obviously you're not sure what you're going to see because yeah. the director's only just finished the film it's Todd Phillips in this case and the impression I got from Joker which I loved uh, is is really that it's it's an incredibly good part horror film really but the, the only issue around it that I see is it really shows what happens to somebody who's who's lonely, who has mental health problems, and he's given a gun. Mm. And it's almost like, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's nothing like the Heath Ledger, yeah. Jack Nicholson. It, it's, it's nothing well, like that. But nor should it be, era. because this no. is the pre... Uh, what would you call it? The pre-film, if prequel, you like. I guess. Yeah, pre- yeah prequel yeah. is the word I'm looking for. I yeah. suppose the, the feel of it, you know, there's a... There's a, there's a a real gritty, realistic feel. It feels nothing like a yeah. 
a comic book to, to, to me. But then I do see that, you know, obviously the controversy is is blowing up. And that's because mm. I think that there's so many different websites who want mm-hmm. clicks mm-hmm. this year. And so you, you almost make a story like you say, Joaquin Phoenix is playing an incel yeah. and it's wrong to portray an incel yep. on on screen, for example. I didn't get that. I'm all, I was a, a woman journalist watching the film. I didn't take that away. As I said, my overriding impression mm-hmm. is... You don't know enough about incels, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being uh, an incel. Yeah, was about to say, yeah. Over to you, Lawrence. Yeah, Far away. Shut up, you. Being an incel. Um, <laughs> I guess it's an interesting one though because we've also been through that time of like to be honest I find the DC universe a little bit um, sometimes it'd be a bit twee Marvel universe mm. sometimes be a little bit twee we're sort of getting out of that time I felt like Batman the previous versions before Batman was Superman, were a bit more <laughs> real life and then we went back towards the sort of fantasy and now we're coming back towards the real do, do you have a preference? I think the the real I wouldn't say I'm ever going to be the biggest fan of, of right. superheroes I think Marvel have done it better than DC wow, okay. uh, for sure like the Justice League was not an interesting film I felt Definitely and not. having to, to sit through Aquaman was something else I think Wonder <laughs> Woman uh, I think Wonder Woman was brilliant yeah. uh, I think I think they did a really really good job with that with that first film but certainly I really welcome Joker I, you, you can embrace it as a film sure. on its own terms I'm still not sure that that's going to get the best picture Oscar at all but there were a lot of critics around me going well that's it for best actor isn't it it's over whacking phoenix for sure i mean nobody nobody is gonna top that performance i'm kind of inclined to agree with them but i haven't are there any other films that are sort of up there a build to be up there with it because everyone's only talking about joker Mm. Well, they are talking, and I, I, I'm a bit hesitant to talk about it because. All right, fair of, enough. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's Jojo Rabbit. It won the audience okay. award at Toronto. So Toronto is the big rival festival to Venice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Normally, I go. I, tr- I decided not to go this year, uh, but Jojo Rabbit won the audience award, and that is by New Zealand very quirky director um, Taika Waititi. Are mm-hmm. you familiar with him? Not familiar. He's, he's, yeah. um, he's a interesting guy, and this is is basically about a young uh, German boy who idolises Adolf Hitler so much, it's, it's said in the Second World War, that Hitler appears as an imaginary friend. Right. So that won the Audience Award at Toronto. It got quite sniffed at by the critics, but everyone's taking the Toronto Award quite seriously at the moment because uh, the last recipient of it, I think, was Green Book, and that went on to win oh, the, of course, the yeah. Best Picture Oscar. So really, I guess part of my job at this point is... is sorting out the runners and riders for, for award season. I'll just say another film that will almost certainly be heavy in the nominations is Judy, which is out this week. The yep. premiere was last night in the pouring rain for <laughs> Renee Zellweger. Uh, and Renee Zellweger's performance is, I mean, there's not enough yeah, hyper- yeah. hyperbole in, sure. the, in the world for it. She's brilliant. Mm. She's absolutely brilliant. So when you're sitting down at the, mm. these festivals and new films and so on, is there... I, I, I mean, I appreciate this question might be how long's a piece of string, but what are you looking for in particular... Is it anything that is it the the look of the film? Is it is it the lead actor? What, what sort of things are evaluated? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that because um, when I sit for me, firstly, it's the yeah. emotional connection. Okay, it's it's the emotional co- connection and it's the storytelling. Of course, obvi- you can come out of a film, for example, The Iron Lady, going, 
wow, Meryl Streep's amazing. She's going to get the Oscar. Yeah. No doubt about it. But you can still see that the rest of the film was pretty average, right. in my opinion. Right. So you, you, you can come out and you can already say, yeah, Judy, probably not going to get Best Picture Oscar. Renee Zellweger, almost certainly up there. Amazing, right. amazing performance. But I, I really look for an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And this year, it can the film Parasites by Bong Joon-ho, okay. South Korean director. Mm. Um, it, he... That ended up winning the Palm Door, and that was the only film I came out of this year's Cannes Film Festival going, that is an incredible film. And if you ask me what it is, it's a mixture of the storytelling, the humour, the wit, mm -hmm. the bloodbath. You know, it's, it, it can be anything at all, but I think that in order for a critic to really love a film, you've got to, you've got to connect with it. How, sure. many films do you have to, um, how many films do you have to go into and evaluate where it's like, I'm clearly not the target audience for this? <laughs> <laughs> you, and well, then how do you make an emotional so connection with that? Well, the Justice League, by the sounds of it. Justice League, yeah. Definitely <laughs> yeah. Um, not so many now. Uh, not, not so many now, because... Obviously, over the last couple of years, we've seen the landscape change quite considerably and there's been a real push to get more diversity mm -hmm. out there and more women directors. And this was something that I was complaining bitterly about about mm. 10 years ago, actually, uh, in, in terms of the fact that I'd seen the statistics. It was like 5% of British directors were women 10 years ago, like 5% five, 5 yeah. of all films were made by women. That's crazy. What, what is it? And so I think that you know that sometimes you you've got these films like wonder woman and bridesmaid that you get large number of women talking about and going to see and that's because i think that they have been really hungry for a lot of content and it's not because that we don't like the marvel universe or the mm -hmm. star wars universe or anything like that there'll be loads of girls and, and women who absolutely adore those stories but there have been a lack of female stories. Yeah, absolutely. Been, been told. So yeah. And, and while we, yeah, while, so while we're in that that mm -hmm. area, you've you've um, started a company called Electra Media. Yeah, started a, a website. A website, sorry, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, and I've just ripped this straight off the website. Electra <laughs> aims to interview women in the entertainment industry differently by asking intelligent questions, mm -hmm. by focusing on the inner woman and her work, beliefs, and talent. We want to change our culture. We believe there are women crying out for different content. To quote Reese Witherspoon, "That's not a mummy blog and thirteen ways to cook a turkey." Yeah. So, I mean, you've obviously talked a little bit about there, mm -hmm. but what um, I suppose prompted you to. To, to create that website? Yeah, I think a, a lot of things, because I did a, a TEDx talk a, a couple of years ago and that mm. needed to crystal, crystallise the moments when I thought, my goodness, my industry is incredibly tough on women. And there were, there were two things, actually. There was a treatment of Britney Spears back when she had her breakdown yeah. back in 2007. Uh, I remember sitting in a newsroom watching the pictures come in live from Los Angeles and she was very much, you know, a young woman alone. And she was surrounded by paparazzi trying mm -hmm. to get her picture trying to get those pictures of her being carted off somewhere where she was hopefully going to get some help mm -hmm. it was it was not nice uh, but the, the thing is is that um, I was asked to interview Jennifer Aniston about 10 years ago and I think she just turned 40 and everyone was making this huge fuss about her turning 40 like her life was over like you know right. her face had fallen off just 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 really horrific and i i said well why are we interviewing her 
Um, why are so many people asking these questions when her co-star in this particular movie has just turned 40 as well and nobody seems to and care? And that was Owen Wilson, was it? It was Owen Wilson. Yeah, so nobody's bothered. Nobody nobody's cares. talking that he's over the hill and all nobody this kind of stuff. Cared. And I think around the same time, I interviewed Sandra Bullock. She'd done a film and as I walked out of the room, she did call after me, thank you for being the only person not to ask me what it's like being a woman over 40 <laughs> in Hollywood. And I went... It didn't even occur yeah. to you know, bad journalism. Uh, clearly, but also, you know, working for various various people over the years, you know, the uh, what is of interest really is not that Angelina Jolie is an interesting director, an interesting actress. Mm -hmm. It's her kids. It was Brad Pitt. Yeah. And I, I actually think it's got a lot worse for mm -hmm. men. Uh, in the in the last few years, so I think that George Clooney and Brad Pitt, even Prince Harry, I mean, nobody really necessarily wants to know about their careers. They just want to know personal stuff mm -hmm. about it's kind them. Kind of boring, isn't it? Really, a but you, lot but of people find it fascinating, and it's not that you shouldn't know. But I've always felt that, particularly for women, because I think I can only speak as a, as, as a woman. I'm not claiming to speak for for, for men too. I just think that this focus on so-called perfect lives that women in the celebrity arena are supposed to be mm. living is is of no help to anybody. I think that mm. those women, you know, know that they have a great deal of help in order to stay looking good, um, doing their jobs. And if they're, you know, mothers as well, then they have a heck of a lot of help. Yeah. And you, you've said it's got a little bit worse for men. Yes, it has. Do you think yeah, it's... I feel really bad for no, them. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but has it got Thank a bit you. better for women? do you think or are we still at that same level well, which prompted you to create the website do you know what we're just still asking dumb questions of, of women over the last couple of years in the sense that it's getting better in that people are a lot more interested in giving a woman cash to make a movie right um but it's just added another question now when a woman's involved into a film you know what do you think of me too right what do you think um you know as a woman what's it like yeah. out there and it's kind of I, c I can see the, the directors starting to get really sick of it, to be honest with you, because it's like we're saying, as a giraffe, <laughs> yeah, and you right. made this film, you know, it, it puts us in a minority when we are 50% of the, of, of the population. So, in my opinion, it's, it's one bad effect is that it's just added another question, mm -hmm. and that is probably journalists' fault in that we are, by nature, very lazy creatures. And, you know, it's just asking one more staple question. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you keep on looking good um, past a certain age? You know, how do you manage to be a working mom? And, you know, now how are you, uh, you know, you, you're a woman and you've made a film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well done. <laughs> yeah. It's also a bit, of a, it's a bit of a boring question to ask yeah. someone who's a multimillionaire. Like, how mm. do you... How do you manage your life? Well, I tend to pay people to do other things. <laughs> it's like you're not giving yeah. everyday people a, so a solution. Yeah. There's no there's no actual working mum out there. Yeah. I know they're all working mums, but you get know what I mean. Who's yeah. going? Oh, you should just pay someone to look after the kids, and I'll go out and get a, a, a do this job and do this. It doesn't really change anyone's life. The the interesting side for me, as someone who wants to um, d direct more, direct more videos, less films, um, less films. Yeah. The, you've, you've done so many. I've done so many of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, is that I feel like there's more women's stories being told now. When when yeah. it first when things like Bridesmaids first came mm -hmm. along, it did feel a little bit like you're telling a bit of a 
I guess a man's narrative, but yeah. with women characters in there. And it felt a little bit similar with Ghostbusters. Yeah, absolutely, it was a bit yeah, like, I agree with you. What, what, well, Ghostbusters what, wasn't a good film in my. In I, I, my do yeah. you know what? I actually quite enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I, I didn't, but I didn't enjoy it, but for different reasons. To uh, yeah, but yeah. The, the point with that was, it felt like they were very much just fitting that female. Was a gender flip. Yeah, they were just yeah. fitting women mm. into male mm. holes, so yeah. to speak. And now it feels like we're starting to see, uh, independent film at least, reflect actual stories that women have got, as opposed to just the men's reflection of that which I guess is good I guess there's more of a statement to you than anything else and do you enjoy or what's your reflection on that no I, th- I think that it's absolutely true and so and I certainly don't want to sound too negative about it it's just that from the from my perspective as a journalist who asks questions that it's just added one more yeah. indignity really yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the sense of oh you're a woman you made a film and oh it's, it's <laughs> good for you yeah. I know yeah Against all the odds, she did it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a bit it's like that. that yeah. kind of thing. But for sure, things that are being commissioned now that um, would would never have got mm. money behind them before, and that you know women are being asked to take on films. Yeah, that, that, and they've been handed big budgets. For example, Chloe Zhao, she's mm-hmm. been handed I think 150 million dollars or something to 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 make a big budget studio film when she'd made a micro, micro film for, for a million before. So the studios are more willing to, to, take, to take risks. Mm, and and there are more interesting parts out there for women. And also they're writing it for themselves, like Billy Piper, for example. Mm. She's making her directing debut in London. She's got a film called Rebby. She wrote it herself. She stars in it herself, though she says she wouldn't do that again because it was too much work. Yeah, sure, yeah, to, yeah. to direct But that's it. a genuine, there's too much work. But that's then, the work but for a working mum, it's a lot of work, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then you've got Karen Gillan, who's also written and directed her first film, and that's been out. So I think a, a lot of women have, have taken it into their own hands, probably Phoebe Waller Bridge as well, and gone, yeah. okay, I'm not seeing enough of what I want to do out mm. there, so I'm going to do it for myself. Excellent. Yeah. Look, Emma, it's. it's been great chatting to you. We could, we could chat more. Uh, the name of the website, electromedia.co. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Um, thank you very much. Uh, fascinating fight. Keep fighting the, the good fight, of course. I'm actually going to go to the site right now. I'm kind of interested. In yeah, this. get on yeah. there. Get on there. See well, what's going on. Um, a pleasure. Right. Uh, oh, let's have a classic one from the Rolling Stones. Tuesday Takeover with Marcus Speller on Fubar Radio. Welcome back to Fubar Radio, everybody. I am that man, Marcus Speller. Lawrence McKenna is opposite me. What a takeover. What a takeover. We are in the last leg of uh, today's Tuesday takeover. And we have saved the best till last. Is Emma out out of earshot? Yeah. Uh, It's John Luke Roberts, the comedian. Great guy. Stand-up comedian, writer, actor, performer, revolutionary. Oh, oh, is that that's not on my uh, that's not on my CV, is it? Revolutionary. One of those things card. isn't. Okay. I may have added something okay. at the end there. <laughs> I'll take it. Yes, I'll, t- I'll take it. But uh, I, I hope it doesn't mean I get put on a list by the government. Uh, if the government listened to this, then you may well do. But don't worry, Lawrence and I will be further up that list from you after okay. today's. Yeah. Just weekly, there's not many government lists I am on. <laughs> um, but with all that David Icke chat earlier, yeah. I'm afraid that you are on that list. I'm definitely now. on a watch list for that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely yeah. right. It, it's a pleasure to have you uh, with us, John Luke. Um, a pleasure to be. I, I do quite like it that your Edinburgh Festival show was called After Me Comes the Flood, and, and today's weather certainly will testify to that. Uh, yes. 
Yes, the weather's awful. Yeah. Just uh, to fill anyone in, who's, in who hasn't looked out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but it, it seemed to happen yeah. just as I got off the tube. This is boring chat. I mean, I'm not really an anecdotal <laughs> comedian, but I left that. It was raining. Wow, was yeah. it raining. Tell you what, don't you just hate it when you get off the tube and, and it's yeah. raining. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it wasn't raining on the tube. It very rarely rains mm. on the tube. You should do more of this anecdotal. <laughs> <It's fantastic. laughs> so what is your comedy actually um, uh, like? I can't say I've, I've seen it. From I'd those. say absurdist nonsense. I love it. Very silly. Right. Basically, I yes. quite like that title, absurdist. I like absurdist. It's good. No, it, you're it, the absurdist. <laughs> very funny. Um, yeah, the, the Guardian described in 2018 your your previous uh, Edinburgh show, Killer Gags, Glorious Idiocy. Yeah, which I like that. Oh. I like it. Yeah. Well, I, you, I mean, the, I think comedy is at its heart being stupid. I mean, that's, and I also think being stupid is a really like high art form to yes. aim, aim for. Uh, so yeah, I like to be as stupid as possible and to make people laugh. Yeah, well, and it's the name of the game, isn't it, really? Well, I mean, so much in comedy. <laughs> yeah. Now, am I right in saying um, that Philippe Gaultier... No. No. Well, I don't, actually, I don't know what you're going to say. You can uh, carry on. Um, an inspiration of yours? Comedy, yeah. Uh, Philippe Goulier. Goulier, sorry. Goulier, yes. I, I did German at school. Uh, yeah. Um, and still can't remember any of that. So, uh, <laughs> Philippe Goulier, an inspiration of yours? Can I just... Uh, I, re- I remember from my textbook yes. uh, at school uh-huh. a brilliant three-panel cartoon in the German textbook. Oh, yeah. Because the pig was called Francie, mm-hmm. and he was, in the, he was in the book a lot. Good. Mm-hmm. And it's not an Orwellian pig. No, no just a normal no, no. pig. Okay. Just a, a, a friendly little pig. Average, <laughs> average pig. Yeah, yeah. Avra- yeah, average pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you can speak, so actually, uh, in a way... Above average. You're very yeah, similar yeah, to yeah, Babe yeah. in that sense. Oh, yeah. An outlier as far as pigs go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will get on to Philip Goliath in a second. I just really need to describe this three-panel cartoon. I think yeah. you do. And the voice said to him, uh, Francie, becomes du Taschengeld? <laughs> and Francie goes, nine. Mm. And then the voice oh, no. goes, aber warum? And then Francie goes, yeah. keine Taschen. Ah. And that translates as... Do you get pocket money, Franzi? <laughs> no. Why? No pockets, because he's a pig. Ah, that's pretty good. Yep. Did they ask a kangaroo that's, the same question? Uh, the, well, they didn't have a kangaroo as the textbook's mascot. Probably pig. because otherwise because the punchline wouldn't, punch really wouldn't work. <laughs> do, you get, do, you get pocket, do you get pocket money? Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, why? I've got a pocket. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, actually yeah. a pouch, if you're being accurate. Well, either so, or, yeah. it could hold uh, loose change, certainly. I think it would be unhygienic to put loose change in there. I think the rust, I think it actually might make the kangaroo quite poorly. Well, Because, of course, there's all, that, there's all the baby-keeping stuff in yeah. the pouch. Anyway, Philippe Gaulier, um, thank you for asking, <laughs> um, is a clown teacher and mm-hmm. a theatre teacher. He's who a, used to be a, a clown. French clown. A French clown. I, I should clarify that. I'm not being xenophobic there. He's a, he is French and he no, is a clown. No, with no disrespect <laughs> to Macron in any way. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But yes. carry on, John. Luke. Well, he just I went to I went to I trained at his school he sits there with a drum and he hits it when you're boring that's basically is it. that the same school that Sasha Baron Cohen trained at am, am I wrong yes yes okay. it is yes wow okay because funny when you said about stupidity Sasha Baron Cohen is a, of a similar school of thought I guess or was yes, at least is he smart and does he <laughs> I don't is know he if he's, I, he's suddenly I, I, doing serious journalism no but he is though there's a he the, the doing, film uh, he's playing a Mossad agent yes. on Netflix which uh, I've not watched yet but I'm interested to see it doesn't quite sound as funny as Ali G it doesn't lend itself to comedy a Mossad agent really I suppose well you never know although I mean Mr. Rob if you can come up with something, yeah, um, no, I yeah. don't think it, I, I don't think it's my place to pitch that show. <laughs> but you know what? I was really looking forward to the attempt. I think for a moment you thought, "Can I?" Yeah. Do you know no, what? I know, I'm, yeah. for I, know, a, I know my place. For a, yeah. for a change, I'm going to play this with a straight bat, perhaps. You know, yeah. Um, but the red yeah. dot disappeared off his head. But I'm, in, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm intri- intrigued by by this this school. Mm. So it's 
So does he speak English? Do you speak any French? Uh, well, that was a French noise, but it was accidental. Okay, he does speak English, Okay, uh, but not very well. But he's been teaching in English for a very long time, and okay. he teaches in English. It's an international school. And I think his English might be better than he's pretending it is. <laughs> I think it might be a pedagogical... Be, pedagolo, what is it? Pedagogical. Pe- Pe- thank, yeah, Something along those pedi- like, Yeah, pedag- uh, uh, teaching uh, uh, I method. See. Um, but Smart. he does. It's all taught in English, but uh-huh. it's just. But everyone's. Some people don't speak English very well at all. Or, How long or have you been there? I there's a sort of two year course. I was probably there for. I dipped in and out, so I was there for about a year and a half. In total. Right. Were you funny before? <laughs> Funnier, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> you you shared money decision. back on your last <laughs> lesson, yeah. didn't you? Genuinely, a, a really short story, and I've really ruined some of these interviews. Um, <laughs> Nonsense. The, so, my dad had a friend who didn't think she was particularly funny, oh, no. and <laughs> she went to she she told him, "Look, I'm thinking of taking a comedy course." And my dad replied, "Why? That would just be you and a room full of funny people." <laughs> To which she said, that's not very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she then went to the person who was running the course, uh-huh. and the person who was running the course confirmed, that wasn't funny. Yeah. She came back and said, that's not funny. And oh, we still find it quite funny. I so, think that's quite good. Yeah, but I, I can't tell if it's mean. But um, she didn't speak to him again after that. That's a shame. Watch, didn't speak to him again? Didn't speak to him again. She what? literally came back, said it wasn't funny, and then stopped speaking. Oh, I think it's very... Because I think it is... That obviously is a funny thing to say. I mean, how funny, I don't yeah. know, but it's funny. Exactly. It's just mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. In I the would moment, not trust somebody who said that wasn't funny. Exactly. Yeah. So people who don't get my sense of humour, mm. Marcus knows this, you have to have a very specific sense of humour. Can you trust them if someone doesn't understand your jokes? Mm. Well, you, I think you can maybe trust them, but you certainly can't have uh, a very long friendship. No. Right. That's I, think, but I think if somebody mentions you, you do comedy and someone comes back with a, with a funny retort. I mean, Billy Connolly said that when he was at school, they were going around the class and they said, what would you like to be when you're older? And young lad, and it's quite a bold thing to say, but he said, I'd, I'd like to be a comedian. Right. And the teacher said, well, I saw you playing football earlier and I think you've achieved your ambition. You know, which is a great funny answer <laughs> to that. And, and, and Billy Connolly said, I, I felt like quite sort of spurred on one, one might say also a horrible put down from a responsible adult but that's fair no but he said it with a bit of a wink and a smile yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, John Luke how, how, how long have you wanted to obviously you are a comedian you have been for, for, for a number of years was it was it always there when you were growing up or was there a particular moment where you thought aha eureka you know what I think there was a particular moment um, I was three I was taken on stage at the Newcastle upon Tyne Theatre Royal Pantomime. By y- you're from Newcastle. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a production of Babes in the Wood. Uh, Here the we Pantomime go. that year. Oh yeah. Les Dennis was playing Simple Simon. <laughs> they got up a bunch of kids from the audience. I was one of those kids. Yeah. 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 Uh, I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak till I was six. So uh-huh. I just made noises, uh-huh. uh, and the audience found this very funny. And uh, they kept That's me. On, he kept me on stage <laughs> as the other kids went and kept giving me more bags of gifts. And this. I think made me feel that well I mean, it's quite easy to work out from a therapeutic point of view I was on stage talking nonsense the audience <laughs> laughed and I was given loads of presents yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is genuinely fantastic there yeah. are some comedians who've genuinely made an actual sort of uh, serious BBC career out of that so it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean uh, yeah marvellous so you studied at Cambridge University ah uh, yes you were a member of the, the comedy society there yes a lot of famous comedians of course have come yeah. through um, uh, Cambridge was, were you involved in, in is that Footlights or is yeah, that I was yeah, yeah 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 I mean what what for for, for us mere mortals you know we think of Footlights and you think of the, the names that have come through Cambridge Please, University yeah. and so on it's it's quite incredible. Was was that um, a particularly was that did, you, did were you aware of the reputation of it? Did it was it all it's cracked up to be? Did you, or did you find that it, it was? Yeah, I was aware of it. I mean, I think I partly like wanted to go there because of it. Right. Um, 
it's uh, loads of it will always draw talented and funny people mm. um it's quite a um when you're actually there i think it's such a uh, there's there was something about it which was so um everyone is dealing with everyone else's ego <laughs> mm. yeah and so it's actually i don't think it was for me the the actual stuff it wasn't that it wasn't that fun yeah but i can there was some yeah. really um good things about like every two weeks there'd be a, a thing called a smoker where you could audition with a sketch or whatever mm -hmm. and then go on and do it and that's a, such a great discipline to be writing new material every mm -hmm. couple of weeks getting it on stage trying it out in front of a crowd um, a bit of a sycophantic crowd which wasn't very helpful but <laughs> that, that, in, in stand-up world you're really sort of discouraged a lot of the time from writing new material and the idea is oh you own a five at the beginning and then you build it up yeah. to a ten and you get everything and, and I, I think there's a lot to be said for throwing stuff out and starting again because mm -hmm. I think you get better quicker with a high turnover of material and so I'm, that's I'm really pleased that mm -hmm. I had that uh, and uh, not that long ago Edinburgh Festival of course you you were up there yeah. as we said with the after me comes the flood yeah, it feels like months but it was one month I think it well, yeah, I mean it, I know one or two people have performed up there and it's, it's quite an in intense experience yeah. do, do you like Edinburgh Festival or, or do you find it a little bit of a slog uh, both really yeah, yeah I'm, much like this interview probably yeah. <laughs> no I, I've been delighted by this interview it's been it's not been a slog at all oh bless you sir good job um, <laughs> yeah so yeah I did my show uh, after me comes the flood brackets but in French clothes brackets strip splash splash strip blah 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 for the yeah. month of Edinburgh do you know what I, I saw that and I thought I'll just say after yeah, me I comes know, the well, flood I've got, to, I've got to slip it in um it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's really hard work you don't really get a day off or you get one or two days off over yeah. the month you're um, you know, you're up there getting the show on its feet mm -hmm. and then you've got it on your feet, but you're still doing it every day yeah. and, um, you know, doing other gigs as well. It's it's tiring and I, I find it's hard not to get quite... Um, caught up in it. In caught up and yeah. your ego gets very fragile, mm. obviously, yeah. because you're, every day, yeah. how well the show goes depends entirely upon whether people like it mm -hmm. and that feels like it depends on whether they like you. And so it's very <laughs> yeah. hard not to... You know, you, you fall into it's 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 hard work and it's stressful, but it's it's great fun as well. You came through it for another year. Well, we, we, we finished. I just want to talk um, before we go about the the alternative comedy memorial society. Yes, that you found. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the alternative comedy memorial society or the ACMS. That's I think we've been running it for seven years. Uh, Tom Tuck mm -hmm. and I set that up uh, back then, and um, basically it's a club where people come along and try out things that might not work it's it's all <laughs> love that it's all for noble uh noble experimentation really and noble failures that's great the, it's better to do something which doesn't work than do something which you know will our next one's on tuesday actually whereabouts the albany in great portland street oh, that's oh great good. yeah yeah, yeah. Got and, a great lineup for that as well and do you, you do this at the bill murray as well is that one of your yeah we've done, the, we've done in the angel? Bill murray. angel yeah and we've done it at the the phoenix we sort of roam around a bit yeah. i think i think the next few are in the um are in the albany Marvellous. John, look, we, we look forward to, to seeing more of you on stage and, and maybe catch you on one of those uh, Memorial Society nights as well. It's been oh, a pleasure you. talking uh, yeah, to you. Yeah, pleasure talking to you too. My thank good you. man. And we've come to the end of our, our Tuesday Takeover, Lawrence. It's been a pleasure. Then. Thank you very much for having me, thank you. Marcus. I, I bloody love you, Lawrence McKenna. I love you I listeners as well. I've been Marcus Speller. This has been the Tuesday Takeover. Do uh, come and see us live, Football Ramble. Uh, RambleLive.com is where you can get your tickets. Answerable yeah. questions with questionable answers. Another podcast I do as well. It's been an absolute pleasure, everybody. Uh, good night. God bless. I hopefully see you another time soon. Told you it wouldn't be that bad. You've been listening to a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to fubarradio.com.